This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. Why do you have a constant need to move the mic? You just know. set it up. Just set it up and leave it. I just yeah, like, I hear the squeak. Well, I, I wanted to move it just a tad to the right. Well, why? It effectively why? did not change anything. No, you sound the same. I don't, I don't even know. have the headphones on. You I, sound the same. I just wanted to move it a tad to the right insane. so I can see my laptop better. We are now continuing our rankings of the positionals, uh, starting positions, yep. uh, positionals. I don't know what we call them. The start, starting position rankings. rankings. Yeah. Uh, starting position rankings of the NBA. We got through the point guards. We got through the shooting guards. A lot of people were pissed off that CJ McCollum was that high. A mm-hmm. lot of people were uh, upset where Luca was ranked. And that um, Devin Booker was apparently too low in the top 10. Oh yeah, and Devin mm. Booker was too low. Even though we clarified why he was that low, because his team doesn't win. Sorry. Yeah. He can put up 25 and 5, but he also has a usage of like 49 or and something he doesn't like that. Play <laughs> and he also doesn't play doesn't defense. Play a look yeah. defense. So, well, if you have... We're not complaining, because I mean, again, <laughs> this is our feedback. opinion. Yeah, this is our opinion. You have your opinion. We love hearing it. So yep. please give us more. I mean, we Makes know more conversation. This, and we know with the small forward uh, rankings, we're going to even have more There's going to be controversy. Yes, controversy, especially where Mo Harkos <laughs> is ranked. Um, but let us know. Uh, well, actually, not, not, let us know what you think, obviously, um, in the comments. But uh, before we jump into the rankings for the small forward, uh, let's do some house cleaning. I have not done this in a while, and I am bad. Uh, check out mostvalupodcast.com so you don't miss anything that we post, whether it's segments, full podcasts, articles. You can check that out on mostvalupodcast.com. You can also check out our shop. Um, you can go onto our website, click the shop, buy one of our T-shirts if mm-hmm. you feel like it. They are uh, they're real nice and slick. Um, also, you can I was support say, us. Dave's not wearing it today. No, I wore it last a night. Black T-shirt. I wore it last night. Um, you can also support us on Patreon.com/slash Most Podcast. If you want to be on a podcast, check out that ten dollars tier. You can be on a podcast uh, or at least a segment um, each month. You get to pick the uh, segment and the topic that we talk about. Um, you could also you know support us um, the five dollar level or also the two dollar level mm-hmm. where you get your monthly Patreon podcast. But let's jump into the. Segments, boys, we're going, obviously, 21 through 30, 11 through 20, and 1 through 10 like we have. Let's start off 21 through 30, starting at the bottom, and we have, at 30, C.D. Osman of the Cleveland Cavaliers. At 29, we have Stanley Johnson of the Detroit Pistons. At 28, we have Mo Harkless of the Portland Trailblazers. At 27, we have Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic. At 26, we have Miles Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets. At 25, we have Damari Carroll of the Brooklyn Nets. At 24, we have Josh Jackson of the Phoenix Suns. At 23, we have Justice Winslow of the Miami Heat. At 22, we have Torin Prince of the Atlanta Hawks. And finally, at 21, we have recently acquired Kyle Anderson of the now Memphis Grizzlies. So, boys, let's jump into it. Uh, Dave, you are obsessed with Mo Harkless. Yes, um, I can't get enough of Mo Harkless. He, he wouldn't shut up about Mo Harkless this whole time. Uh, we do want to at least preface, though, uh, we do have CD at 30. That is because Rodney Hood hasn't officially signed. If he does sign, most likely he will be there starting uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, f- three. Um, but, Dave, one thing that you did want to say is the fact that <laughs> Stanley Johnson and C.D. Osman, even though C.D. isn't even their starter most likely going into the season, still had the same amount of points. So yeah. Stanley Johnson and C.D. Osman still ended up with six points. I'm just saying that like I, w- I would take C.D. over Stanley Johnson. He's not even a starter, and I'm picking him as a better starter. That's that's where I see Stanley Johnson at this year. What do we, well? I, let's talk about CD and Stanley just real quick because sure. CD obviously I think last year was his first year, right? Over, correct. Um, yes, and, and in America, he had some flashes where he looked yeah. pretty good. 
Um, and he Stanley Johnson of games. is a guy that just hasn't developed at all, really. Mm-hmm. And he's gotten worse defensively, and he can't shoot still. Um, and that hasn't changed. He's like Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, but maybe a little bit worse defensively. I don't know what to think yeah. of Stanley Johnson, but we should be thinking about a guy like CD, um, who might not be a starter, but again, has a lot of promise, or could have a lot of promise. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for this year for CD is you know that increase in playing time. Obviously, the Rodney Hood, Rodney Hood situation will play itself out, whether he signs for a one-year or long-term We'll see what happens. But my big concern with CD is it's Ty Lu, honestly. Ty Lu has a problem with playing younger players. And now this team for the Cavs is in a situation where they're like, are we competing for a playoff spot with Kevin Love? Are we not? Where are we at? So I hope that they put the trust in CD because I would love to see him get like 25 minutes a night consistently. And I think that he could actually do some pretty good things with that time. I don't think he's a world breaker or anything like superstar, but I think he's a quality player and I really would Love to see him get time. Meanwhile, Stanley Johnson is a guy who we've been giving opportunity after opportunity for on the Pistons, and there's no growth. But this is a I player mean, who can't get think better. About, seemingly, think about the changes that the Pistons had too. Is he going to? Is he going to benefit from Dwayne Casey being there and not Stan Van? Because he's been Stan Van's been his head coach the entire time in Detroit. Is Dwayne Casey going to come in here and be like? I'm not saying make him a great player, but he be kind of like a whisperer to. Stanley Johnson, where he plays a little better. I don't see how. I mean, maybe maybe he has more confidence in himself, but I don't see how Dwayne Casey can change Stanley Johnson. I think mm-hmm. we've seen enough from Stanley Johnson to see who he is. Dwayne Casey isn't going to change his shot, and maybe miraculously Stanley Johnson can turn into their version of DeMar DeRozan. But even then, Stanley Johnson has more help, at least defensively. I'm just throwing it out there. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that's ever going to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying. What? Like, I'm saying a guy who can't shoot from the outside. I'm not saying, Dave, I'm not saying that he's going to turn into DeMar DeRozan. No, he's not going to be a top 10 guy that Dave ranks too low. DeMar DeRozan, because Dave had him way too low in his top 10. You had Bradley Beal way too I low. I know. That was we we all had our I'm, I'm just saying, like, a guy that Dwayne Casey coached in DeMar DeRozan. I'm not saying he's going to okay. be anywhere near DeMar DeRozan. Uh, okay. That's taking it way too out of context. <laughs> I know. I'm just thinking of the comment section already. <laughs> I think they understand what I'm trying to say here, though. I'm, I'm saying, uh, what, are you, what are you trying to say? Again, I what don't think uh, Dwayne Casey's going to have an effect on Stanley Johnson where he's going to turn into a DeMar DeRozan. Oh, you don't think he'll be a DeMar? Okay. No. Okay. I, or maybe I misspoke and I said that he could turn into I like, might have heard I, that. I'm just saying, yeah. like, I don't think he's going to have the ability to turn him into a DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. No, maybe a DeMar DeRozan-like player where he can be a guy that attacks from the mid-range because he's kind of long. He's got some athleticism to him. He might be a better ver- uh, defender than a DeMar DeRozan. I'm not saying he's going to turn in miraculously into—if he turns into DeMar DeRozan, he'll I be mean, a top-five small forward probably. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's not going to happen. I, th- I think their best hope, because you brought Dwayne Casey and the Raptors, is you get a shitty version of OG Ananubi. You get someone who okay, is a defensive fair. wing, but OG has a shot from the outside where Stan John doesn't. And if they can work on that or at least sort of try to balance out his game, which is obviously the biggest problem with this Pistons team because they're running two bigs, they need to space out the floor better. Like, he doesn't fit right now. That's why I expect him to lose minutes, them to slide, you know, Kennard up at the two and bring down a guy we talked about last week. And uh, Reggie? Yeah, Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock to play the three, honestly. Like that's, there's a very good chance that Stan John could lose, you know, 
his starter role throughout this year if he continues to struggle at this level. And OG's a much more fair oh, comparison yeah. than uh, De- DeMar DeRozan, so apologize <laughs> me on that one. Uh, uh, but looking at this list, a lot of young guys, Kyle Anderson, a young guy, Torian Prince, a young guy, Justice Winslow, Josh Jackson, Miles Bridges, Jonathan Isaac, um, even throwing Steedy and Stanley Johnson because those guys are still young. Um, yep. Who do you think has the most potential out of this crop? Ricky, who do you think you know out of these guys can really turn the table this year and possibly have a breakout season? There's two. I'm looking either at Josh Jackson for the Suns just because of they're a team with new coach coming in. They've got more talent also coming in too, both yeah. from either free agency and the draft. The other one is the complete unknown, is the rookie on this list, and that's Miles Bridges because I don't know what to – like when we were ranking these guys and we were putting everything together, doing the math – I was just thinking, I'm sitting there and I'm going, wow, have we ever had a rookie thus far that was like consistently like down towards the lower end? Where I know that we had Trey Young and Colin Sexton end up in this range for the point guards, but usually there's one of us that if there's a rookie starting, one of us three are high on him. And really, all of us had him, I believe within this range of 21 to 30. So he would be the one that I would say for sure, but Josh Jackson, too, could be one. Well, and typically the reason why we have those guys so high is because they're taken high. Yeah. Like Alonzo Ball was taken two. Mm-hmm. Markel was taken one. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't I think this year Luca was taken uh, technically yeah. third overall, um, where Miles Bridges was taken, I think, outside of the top 10. I think mm-hmm. He was taken 11th, so... I mean, with Miles, he's Still a guy a that— a lottery pick, but outside the Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, again, could have came out last year, mm-hmm, decided mm-hmm. to stay at Michigan State, took another year. He grew at Michigan State, um, and he's coming into a Charlotte team that I feel like needs some offense. They could definitely put Mark uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist here. There was a guy who had in the rankings last year. But yeah. again, like Stanley Johnson, he has not developed an offensive game. And yes, he's good defensively, but even then, Kidd-Gilchrist has gotten worse defensively. He had a, mm-hmm. he had a, He's uh, gotten worse in the defensive box score plus minus. His defensive rating has consistently gotten worse. He's become a worse player. So I think you need to inject some life into that starting line. If that's why we have Miles Bridges there. Is he ready to be a starter? Probably not. But is he most likely going to start and maybe give that team a better chance to win mm-hmm. than an MKG? I think so. That's why he's there. It just depends on what will he be able to do. Because obviously we saw last year when Steve Clifford was at the helm, they brought in a guy like Malik Monk through the draft, and mm-hmm. they really didn't give him the trust that we thought he deserved, mm-hmm. uh, Dave. You were a big advocate of giving uh, Malik Monk time. Obviously, it's a new regime there. Um, and, and we look at Miles Bridges probably thinking that he might be starting in the lineup. Um, do you think that's too much pressure for a guy like Miles Bridges? But he he's a sec he's a second year player coming out which is the big difference for him like he's got good good tutelage or good coaching pedigree coming out of college mm-hmm. he's a bit older than people are normally their first year in the league so i think everything is set for him like to come into the nba and be able to be under pressure be in a system and be able to contribute at this next level right away i don't know why i really asked that question because i was gonna then mm-hmm. answer my own question oh uh, I mean... but, but no i i, I actually meant to ask it, but then I said it and I was trying to save it from coming out of my mouth because, again, I was going to say, you know, he's a, he was a two-year starter at Michigan State. Um, I don't think it, the pressure's there, but at least do you think he's ready at least physically to step in into an o- offense right away and contribute and a defense in the NBA and contribute? Yeah, I think really finding his role on this team is going to be the biggest thing because he had a, he changed roles from his freshman year to his sophomore year in college. Um, he went more off-ball that second year, uh, so I'd like to see what he can do now in the NBA with the true ball handler out there, him being asked to slash more, be more of a physical presence, get down in the low post, maybe work some. 
uh, more inside out. So I think for him, it's find his role, find the way he fits in this team is the biggest concern for me because I'm I'm saying all this, and I don't even know for sure if that's how they're going to use him. That's how I can see him being used. But again, uh, this team is kind of, they're in a weird place because they've got a bunch of okay guys who fit the wing who are all going to mm-hmm. soak time. So while we do have him as a starter, I think that's a hopeful... Well, and I mean, for me, it's the three ball because like Michael Kidd-Gilchrist yeah. did start the three yep. most of last year for them. Yeah, but absolutely. He's, he's a great just, defender. His, but as Sean said, declining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially. So, And the shot never got better. The hitch is yeah. as he's ugly as ever. always been injured. Yep. I mean, he's mm-hmm. never been a consistent pillar of health in, with MKG. Um, a guy that was is not technically a rookie, played 27 games last year, but again, he didn't have a ton of mm-hmm. uh, playing time last year was Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at least kind of in that same realm. Uh, Ricky with Miles Bridges, a guy that is very young, a very raw player, but most likely will be thrusted into the uh, starting lineup in Orlando. Some people might say it's Jonathan Simmons at that small forward position. If you think so, okay. Um, But Jonathan Isaac, we have him listed as our small forward. He's a guy that can play the four. He can play the five. Um, He's a guy that has guard multiple uh, positions. Um, What do you expect for Jonathan Isaac returning after he was injured last year, coming into possibly a starting role in Orlando? Another thing, kind of like what we've said already, new guy, new coach, where I want to see what he's going to do. We had the Frank Vogel experiment. He's gone what is he now going to do with the guy who we were talking about his former team in the Hornets with Steve Clifford, where it's a new regime for the Magic. And he was always a guy for me where when we were putting him in mock drafts, it was always like, hey, you know what? His defensive ability is why you're going to draft him. And I feel like he's not going to be, of course, the most stellar offensive player, but can he bring that offensive game up a little bit to match what he can do defensively, and can Steve Clifford bring out the most in him in his first season with the Magic? Yeah, I, I think that he has done everything that I wanted him to do in the first offseason, which was put on about 15 pounds of muscle. He looked great in summer league. He looked disruptive, long, athletic. Uh, he had his mid-range shot down. Like Honestly, uh, coming out of summer league, he was one of the most impressive second-year players, and I say second-year like you said, Sean. He was injured for the majority of his rookie year. Didn't get much playing time. So seeing this is really enthusiastically. If you're an Orlando Magic fan, you got to love the big lineup. Like having Gordon, uh, Isaac, and Bamba as the future of that team, there's a lot of hope there. And I think Isaac at the three as a 6'11 disruptive defender, and now as as he continues to develop Mm -hmm. that mid-range offensive game, if he ever gets to the point where he can comfortably stretch from three, you're looking at dangerous. That's one thing I want to ask with Jonathan Isaac is what do you think his ceiling is? Because he's I mean, a guy that, again, like you mentioned, balled out in summer league. Yeah. And it is summer league. So I know. We asked her the hell out of that. Yeah, some people will have their their you know concerns about that. Mm-hmm. But, again, he's a guy that was very young coming out of Florida State, um, still showed some potential as a 3 and D player. That potential defensively has still uh, pursued and still uh, been persistent. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about Jonathan Isaac's ceiling? Have you, has it changed in your mind um, for negative or for you know positive? Uh, I would probably say positively. When I saw him coming out of college, I didn't think that he would ever be able to put together a, a quality offensive game from outside of about five feet. I thought that like he was too skinny uh, and he was going to get pushed around down the low post. I thought his shot looked bad enough that he was never going to develop an outside shot. So I was like... He's a he's a long defender with good athleticism, but I don't think he'll ever be a quality, well-rounded player. One year in, I've seen some maturation. I've seen him put on the size, the bulk, and keep the athleticism. And 
I really think there is a chance that he can develop into like, I don't want to throw out names. I think he can develop into maybe like a top 15 small forward, top 10 small forward in the league. Like he has, he has the physical tools to get there. If he has the work ethic and the work on the shot, and this team is the not the Orlando Magic of old, where they failed at player development. They failed at helping their players continue to get better and better and put them in the right situations. I really think that he has a, a ton of potential to be a stud. And Ricky, we t- typically mm-hmm. talk about guys in this range on who is the guy to jump up next. A lot of young guys in here, if you have to place a bet on a name that is for sure going to be in the top 20 next year, who do you think it will be? Well, before I get into that, I just want to okay. touch what Dave was saying. The ceiling that I see for Jonathan Isaac, and this might be a little high, but maybe kind of like an auto porter for a team, where it's like, <laughs> offensively, you've got other guys in that team that are going to do the job, but defensively, he's the guy that's going to bring it for that starting lineup. And for me, the guy that makes the jump from this group into the next group It's either one of the twos that I mentioned before. It's either going to be Josh Jackson, depending on what we see from the Phoenix Suns this year, or it's going to be Miles Bridges because he comes in as a rookie, maybe doesn't start from the beginning, maybe does, but by the end is a starter on that team, and we're looking at him as a top 10 small forward next year. What do you think you, or what do you at least need to see from Josh Jackson to take that jump? Because right now he's at 24. Obviously, last year he was on and off, wasn't majorly mm-hmm. consistent, still got, showed his he flashes. Got hot of, late yeah, and yeah. And still showed his def- flashes defensively that we, we knew he was going to show um, coming out of college. I just got to see more consistency from Josh Jackson to where. I know that that like entire team, it's a little – when you're a rookie coming in, it might be a little bit hard to kind of find your spot per se because you've already got Devin Booker there that is the guy there and he's the main scorer. And it's like now this year it's going to be interesting to see how they throw some things around with Devin Booker, Josh Jackson, Brandon Knight hopefully being healthy, being their point guard. What's Okobo going to bring? Off the bench, how's DeAndre or DeAndre Ayton? I almost said DeAndre Jordan again. DeAndre Ayton fitting in at the five to where I want to see what this Suns team does does as a whole. But with Josh Jackson, I just need him to be more consistent. Maybe be a little bit better from the outside. And you even mentioned that they added some competition for mm-hmm. him at the wing, and they gave him another mentor with yep. Trevor Ariza. Like mm-hmm. I think the Suns are doing what they think is best for him. Trevor Reza is, you know, an NBA professional through and through, been been a champion, played in playoffs, been down dirty, one of the best defenders mm-hmm. in the NBA at the wing. So giving Josh Jackson someone like that to pick his brain, to learn from, to build and grow, like, I think the, the sky's the limit for him. The problem is, like, where is he going to get his chances well, on this team? And also the problem is his shot's broken. Yeah. Like, it gets, it, mm-hmm. it, he was it, literally the worst player for, like, the first month of the year. And the, the big thing, too, coming out of uh, – College in, in Kansas is when we saw him spot up. Again, he goes up fine, but it's just his his finish isn't right. His elbow's out, and then also he's not missing long. He's missing left and right, mm-hmm. um, and that still stayed persistent in the NBA when he was moving back. Again, he wasn't finding his rhythm. He wasn't finding his range. Uh, even when he was great from January to the end mm-hmm. of the season, shot 27.6% from three. Right. Um, and, you know, he did have, you know, 17.2 points per game from January to the end of the yeah. season. 5.7 boards. To uh, to assist, one point one steals, uh, you know, a block and a half, a uh, 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 half a block a game, mm-hmm. um, shooting forty three percent for the field, but again, a twenty seven point six percent from three, and and a poor shooting percentage from the line as well, um, at sixty eight percent. He needs to inc- you know, take major levels um, 
uh, on a shot to really need to become a top 10 player, I think, well, at least in his position. Because, again, he's a guy that plays great defense, but mm-hmm. he doesn't have that shot. And that's why we, you know, knock on a guy like Andre Roberson. Roberson isn't a guy that's good offensively. Now, Jackson, Jackson has a lot of athleticism there, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if that shot's ever going to be able to be workable and fixable. Well, right. it's interesting. Like Dave said, they added somebody to give him competition. I look at Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. Where it's, when Josh Jackson came in, it was never a problem of, oh, it's not that he can't get to the basket. He has the athleticism oh God, yes. to get to the basket. But now they it's funny they bring in a guy who's just as young as him almost, about closer to... His age than let's say Trevor Ariza's age. He's older, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, But the thing that I find funny is Mikhail Bridges coming in. What's the two things he excels at? Shooting the three ball and playing defense. And I wonder if they're going to use that little competition to try to motivate Josh Jackson to get better in those two spots of his game. And again, it's it's only his second year. So yeah. I don't think there's anything where if he doesn't play well, no, it would be like no. an MKG situation where he's out of the lineup. A no. little competition um, never hurt him. And I think does. it's just it's the nature of the league right now. It's trending towards a, a wing-heavy league, and mm-hmm. you need that ability to open up, the, open up your offensive game from three. So you draft best player available. They made the move up to go for him. I think it was probably the right move for them. Because if they had stuck with Zaire Smith, they got another like interesting project on offense, but great defensive player. And that, I feel like Josh Jackson is that for them already. They used a really high draft pick on him. He has upside. He just needs to get consistency together in a shot, become more efficient. And I think having a true point guard will lend itself to that. And I will just run down 21 through 30, and then uh, you guys can jump in with your final thoughts mm-hmm, on these sure. players. Um, looking at Kyle Anderson, now on the Memphis Grizzlies, a guy that was fantastic, you know, just uh, defensively for the Spurs. Um, we'll see how he does outside of that San Antonio system. But, again, looking at him offensively, he did enough to be uh, serviceable. Defensively, he was great. He's a guy that's not going to make a lot of splashes in the NBA, but he's a guy that's going to stick around for a long time because he got, he's a guy that does a lot well. The weirdest Tor- man to cover in transition in the world. <laughs> Tory like- Prince. <laughs> is a guy that took a massive step up um obviously looking you know he took a pretty much a whole 15 minutes in playing time um with that team getting worse uh took on more of a uh role with atlanta we'll see how much that changes with guys like trey young coming in um we'll also see how much that changes with guys getting older developing um maybe he's a guy that you know even grows even more and he could be a guy that jumps up even higher and he could yeah. be one of those guys mm-hmm. that jumps into the top 20 he had a really nice year last year but we'll see how legit it was I'm looking at Justice Winslow, a guy that has potential written all over him, but again, he really hasn't been able to find that spot. He also might not be a guy that starts in the heat starting lineup. Uh, we kind of uh, screwed ourselves by putting Josh Richardson at the two because then we could have put Richardson at the three and Deion Waiters at the t- uh, two. Mm-hmm. We slotted in Justice Winslow here, a guy that, again, has a lot of potential. Uh, Damari Carroll, a guy that had a great bounce-back year in Brooklyn. He's a guy that can continue to move up, and maybe he would even be ranked higher if he was doing this on like a playoff team and not yeah. up Brooklyn. Do you think, um, quick question for him, do you think if they're not competing for the playoffs that he has value to be traded for a playoff team? No, because his contract's crazy bad. Really? I don't think it's that bad anymore. Isn't he making like 17 mil? Yeah, but it's down to like one year, right? One or two years? I don't think so. I think he's still got like, even if it's two more years, I don't want that. It's, right. It's his final year. Final, final year, year for 15.4 mil. Like that's, for what he's putting up at his efficiency and his defensive effort, like I think I think if Brooklyn's not looking at the playoffs this year. Which he, they're probably not. You never know. I mean, it's the East, but probably yeah, not. It's the East. That's not it. just the East, the Weak East. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to slap the shit out for saying Weak East 15 times a show. But no, I just I want to toss it out there because I think some team might be interested in take a flare on him. If someone goes down, you get yourself a quality 
uh, small forward out there who I think it's, can play the wing, it's defend, and shoot. got to be a playoff team that also has a lot of flexibility cap-wise because it's going to be tough to, again— I Move mean, it could be you know, where bad contract for him plus pick. You know, the the, the playoff team's giving up a pick, but that has a, to be a really nice. That has to be like a perfect situation. Yeah, for that to happen. Fair. I mean, uh, does Demar Carroll have value now? That again, there's less years on that contract. He's been salvaged. Yes. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Um, and finally, one we didn't talk about was Mo Harkless, a guy that you know, is fine. That's uh, Dave. He, who he, he is. might be. <laughs> he might be a guy that uh, isn't in the starting lineup. Uh, Evan Turner is a guy who. Um, you might be in that starting lineup. Uh, again, both of those guys are severely overpaid for being okay at basketball. Um, but any final thoughts on any of these guys? No, I mean, with me, the th- last thing I was going to say with our just kind of wrap up the Josh Jackson thing is I wonder with, like Dave said, with the league going to wings is can McHale and Josh Jackson be to the Suns what, and I'm not saying this exactly, I'm not overreacting here, kind of like a JT Jalen Brown for the um, Boston Celtics. I know they kind of skyrocketed this year. I'm not saying the Suns in the Western Conference yeah, that's Finals. Some, that's some wishful thinking but if you're a Suns fan, probably. maybe you're sitting there going, hey, why can't these guys develop and do similar things with a guy like Devin Booker also? Yeah, no. Yeah, I think you're absolutely see some uh, lineups out there with Dev Book, uh, J, uh, JT, Dev Book, <laughs> Josh Jackson, and uh, Mikhail out there together. So I, I think it's going to be a, a big thing for them this year. I know we got a lot of Suns fans. I know we got uh, Alexis Villanueva. I know we got our, our, obviously our boy Z. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I want I want to go all in on the Suns. But also, I, I don't have enough faith in that nope. franchise to, to do so. Two to three years, man. That's what I'm saying. Two to three, they'll be a playoff team. Maybe, but also, I don't trust it. But what have what what they done in the past 10 years to Lose. give me faith? Lose. I mean, they have they have our boy Igor, and I still can't say his <laughs> last name, apparently. Just say but, Igor, man. But I'm trying my best. <laughs> I forget who I said wrong last uh, last time, too, mm-hmm. and I got called out for it in the comments. Yep. Like, I was literally, I think it was Frank. It was Frank's last name. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to get Frank's last name right, and people were like, you said it wrong. I'm like, yep. I was literally. Practicing it over and over again, I was like, I got it. Oh, you I'm are. very confident. You are. Fair enough. Um, I'll give you credit. My last but my, my oh, whole thing with the, the Suns is I, I don't have enough faith to put them in to even say that they're going to be the playoffs mm-hmm. from two no. or three years now because the West is fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's insane. My last shout-out is uh, Justice Winslow. Like, he's a guy who actually looked pretty good during the playoffs as a like secondary, primary ball handler coming out of the uh, wing. So he's a guy where I don't know what the hell the Heat are. They're, they're a team of good, not great. And they're a meddling team with great coaching, great front office. I think that he has a chance to succeed and continue getting better, but I just don't know where their franchise direction's at. So if he'll get the opportunity or what. Yeah, and he, he's a weird guy, too, that, again, he has a defensive rating of 105, which is fine, but then you also look at his defensive blocks, box score plus minus, which is 1.7, yeah. which is saying your team is much better with you off the floor. But also, again, the Heat are just a very, they're just throw players together and it works it's yep. like the orlando magic but successful um, <laughs> they have a better captain flying those ships both yeah. the coaching spot and the gm spot so um again a lot of i mean also justice is only 22 yeah so i mean this guy is the world to grow and you look at like you mentioned in the playoffs he shot 36 percent from three scored nine points per game 6.6 boards 2.6 assists um close to a steal and a block a game i mean like he he, he has potential yeah um but again it just hasn't been consistently put there We'll see what happens with Justice Winslow. Again, let us know what you think of our rankings, uh, at least for 21 through 30, down in the comments below. But let's move in through our 20 through 11. I feel like we had a, I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know, sometimes you, you let you let go of a shot and you just feel it's not going in. <laughs> I, that last segment, it was a bad segment. I'm going to be honest. I was, I was off. So let's just make sure that, you know, the last two segments are good. We're going through our 20 through 11 
Starting off at 20 of the Los Angeles Clippers, we have Danilo Gallinari was injured last year, um, hence why he is so low. Some people might think he is low. Um, we also don't have that many Clipper fans, so probably no one will care. Um, at 19, we have Jabari Parker of now the Chicago Bulls. At 18, we have Carmelo Anthony of now the Houston Rockets. 17, we have Bog, Don, Bog, Bojan. Bojan. Bogdan. I, I, I knew how to say it before the podcast, and then the camera goes on. Bogdan. Like, Bag- <laughs> we know how to say it. Yes. We know how to say it, and we can't say it. I just right call him now. Bogey. Bogey. 17. Bogdan, Bogey Bogdanovich? of the Sacramento Kings. Ricky says it right. First try. What'd Bogdan Bogdanovich. Bogdan Bogdanovich. <laughs> we have Bogey at the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, just call Bogey. We everybody, everybody who follows Sacramento, everyone in Sacramento just calls him Bogey. And also, if you heard us before the podcast for two straight hours, we were getting Boyan right, and we were getting Bogdan. Right. Yep. Um, but anyways, at 16 we have Tim Hardaway Jr. of the New York Knicks. At 15 we have Rudy Gay of the San Antonio Spurs. At 14 we have each one more of the New Orleans Pelicans. At 13 we have Boyan Bogdanovich of the Indiana Pacers. At 12, we have Robert Covington. I was going to say Rocco because that's also that's his, his name. name. Yeah. Uh, of the Philadelphia 76ers. And at 11, we have Will Barton of the Denver Nuggets. And let's jump into mm. the uh, probably the <laughs> big elephant right. of the room uh, at 18. Um, I had Carmel mm-hmm. Anthony r- ranked at, let's see, um, 11. Dave had Mello ranked at, where did you put him? 13. 13. Okay. Mine just says stay mellow. Oh, you have stay mellow. That's why. Okay. Uh, so I had mellow at 11. Dave had him at 13. He ends up at 18. Mm-hmm. Ricky, tell oh. the people why you put Carmelo Anthony at 30. Because he shouldn't be a starter. Shouldn't be a starter for that Rocket team. Okay. Are, How many players original, on this list shouldn't be a starter? We Well, a lot of them. But that's Okay. So the why are we yelling at Carmelo um, Anthony and tanking no, his rankings? It's not, I'm, I'm not yelling at him. It's PJ. I was on the. We originally had PJ Tucker in the spot. I would much rather have P.J. Tucker in the spot than Carmelo. Carmelo to, to me, Carmelo to me just... is a guy that's gonna come, who should come off the bench. He's not a starter anymore in this NBA, so I put him at 30. Okay, so you'd rather have P.J. Tucker and Ryan Anderson in the starting lineup over Carmelo Anthony? Yes. Why? This Mello? Why? Because what Mello showed last year is that he's not a starter. He is past what, his Did prime. Ryan Anderson show that? Well, I mean, Ryan well, no, Anderson, no, Carmelo Anthony a is a little bit of a debate. I would still go at Ryan Anderson. Regular Why? season, Ryan Anderson's fine. They're still yeah. scoring 140 a night. It doesn't really matter. Well, because, okay, but also, because I'd but, go P, PJ at the three, and I'm not going to play... Mello at the four, I'll play Ryan Anderson at the four and have Mello come off the bench. Why wouldn't you play Mello at the four? He because played last year. I, don't, I would rather play Ryan Anderson. He played fine. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, offensively, he played fine. Again, this, yeah. this Rockets team was no. somehow, even though they don't have great defenders, I mean, outside of like P.J. Tucker and formerly Trevor Ariza mm-hmm. um, and Clint Chris Bella. Paul. Oh, and Chris Paul. Sorry. Uh, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. <laughs> it's been a rough day. It's not, as bad, as, it's not okay. as bad as calling Stanley Johnson the next... DeMar DeRozan, <laughs> Detroit. Um, that was so good. <laughs> but, again, like with people crapping consistently on James Harden's defense, mm-hmm, even true. though it's not that bad, right. um, having Ryan Anderson in there, um, even though, you know, uh, Eric uh, Gordon isn't great, he isn't terrible defensively. Like, yep. again, they didn't have any crazy great defenders outside of Chris Paul um, and Trevor Ariza. Like, they weren't supposed to be a top-five defensive team is what I'm trying yeah, to no, say they, with the players they on their played, team. They, yet they exceeded did. expectations. P.J. Tucker was able to guard basically two through five and, and phenomenal. And Ryan Anderson, we saw him being abused in short minutes on the court. He literally had to be pulled off the court in multiple series because they just went at him and got free buckets every single time. So as much as I want to say regular season, we'll probably see Ryan Anderson at the four. 
I agree for our rankings. We made the right call mm-hmm. in putting Carmelo at the three, PJ at the four, because that is probably the lineup that's going to matter when it matters. And, I mean, Ryan Anderson, 70% of his shots last year were three-pointers. He knows um, his job. And he shot 38% from, from three. I just think with Melo, it's going to give them more opportunities offensively to attack. It's yeah. going to open up James Harden to shoot from the outside. It's going to open up P.J. Tucker to op- shoot from the outside a little bit more. And Melo, even then, he still shot 40%, 40% of his shots for threes last year. So he can still fit into this lineup. I think, yes, Carmelo Anthony was bad. But he's not Ryan Anderson bad, and let's be real. Carmelo Anthony still has value in the NBA, and maybe it is on the bench. But also, mm-hmm. I'm not benching Carmelo for Ryan Anderson, at least not yeah. right away, because it's still Have Carmelo Anderson. Have that conversation. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a dumb conversation, I think. Um, because, yeah. again, we're talking about Ryan Anderson, a guy that is extremely overpaid, is not athletically able to play basketball mm-hmm. at the pace that they want to play, and maybe Melo isn't either. But I think Melo deserves more of a shot than Ryan Anderson. Carmelo Anthony needs to have the same kind of moment this year that I think it was on the Dan Patrick show, and I brought this up before, mm-hmm. that Charles Barkley had in his Become career. the Jesus moment? Exactly. Charles Barkley was, hey, there's this kid behind me who's balling out. We need to get him more time. I'll come off the bench. Coach, start him. Who Whereas, is that kid? I, I'm saying that's what he was saying okay. in the interview. I think but, it was when yeah. he was with Phoenix. I, okay, but who's the, um, who's the kid behind him? No, Ryan Anderson, I'm saying, who's 33 years no, old? I'm saying it's different in that sense. Oh, that there's I'm no sorry. one behind yeah. Melo. <laughs> I want to jump on that too. But <laughs> in Melo's situation, maybe it's a, hey, I can help this team more being with Eric Gordon leading the second team while Chris and James are getting rest. We can lead the second team, and our team doesn't miss a beat with those two off the floor. The upside is that you have one of the greatest offensive masterminds leading this team. So I think they're going to find a way to make it work regardless. Mm-hmm. And with the rotations, maybe they'll do some weird-ass like hockey rotations where they'll go you know, two on, two off, some shit like that. There's a chance we see that. Mm-hmm. I think Carmelo's problem last year was not his athleticism. It was his effort. And I think that playing with someone who is his best friend in uh, – Chris Paul is mm-hmm. is going to mean a lot. Playing on a winning team with a winning franchise around him right now. I know OKC was basically last year where that team was built on spite. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just be honest. Like, that's what Brody just breathes. I know he's a great teammate and everything, but I think you get to see a, a different mellow this year than we saw out of OKC. Well, I think he is going to be of more value to this Rockets team than he was to the Thunder the that, previous year. That's the thing is, I don't think, I do I think that he is ever going to be the mellow of old? No. no. Um, I, I don't think it's that, but I still think he can be a valuable player if he does have that motivation. And maybe playing with CP3 will give him that. Um, and again, like you mentioned, he's not out of shape. Melo's still very in, much in shape. Yeah. Melo can go for 30 minutes a game. It's not a problem of, again, him not wanting to be there. Or it's not a problem of him not being able to be out there. Right. It's a problem of him not wanting to be there. And and again, it's it's something mentally with Carmelo Anthony that I feel like is holding him back. And I think that maybe you just throw him out there. If he wants to be the starter, let him be the starter for the first five games. The Rockets are still going to win games whether he's coming off the bench or not and see if he can be a value you know, next to Harden, next to Chris Paul, next to yeah. um, P.J. Tucker, and, and to, next to Clint Capella. It's a long season. I think that at the end of it, and when it comes postseason time, they're not going to be putting Ryan Anderson in the starting lineup. They're going to be putting Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. So, um, and also, again, it's just the fact that he's at 18. Does he deserve to be a top 10 small forward anymore? No. I think we had him as a top 10 small forward last yep. year. We moved him over to a power forward. He was still a top 10 player. Is he still top 10 player at his position? Probably not. But is he still good and still you know, a guy that can put up 15 points per game? Yes. Yeah. You, you and, not, and, and not many guys below him and even guys like 
Bogey and Tim Hardaway Jr. right now, and even Rudy Gay can say that. And that's why I think that at least 18 is just a little bit disrespectful to Carmelo. I think that's one of the easiest things to overlook when we're doing rankings and you're talking about players being better than the others, is people weirdly underrate guys who can score. Like, they can just flat out get buckets for you. And you got to remember back to the series that knocked out the Rockets, they had offensive struggles with Chris Paul out. And going into the playoffs, having another guy who they can lean on mm-hmm. to get buckets, a la the, the Warriors being able to lean on Kevin Durant going or solo. Or ISO. maybe come in and shoot a mid-range well, if they need to. And even then, that's the Point thing. Being, I mean, yeah. You missed 27 mm-hmm. three-pointers in a row. Yeah. Carmelo, yes, he can shoot from the outside, but also Melo can post up, put his back they to the basket. They had a similar idea fadeaway. last year with Iso Joe, but Iso Joe was in retirement home. Like, it yeah. was... It was too many years too late. Mm-hmm. I think this is. I think this is like the fruition of that. They they they're like maybe this could work for us as like a uh, plan C. And and now they've got the guy in that they wanted in the first place. Maybe with Melo now, but maybe with Melo now being here again, maybe it is a year too late. And we'll maybe see. we'll figure that yeah. out. Um, but again, Melo, eighteen, I think is a little bit polarizing. Um, and polarizing is a thing because again, I'm not. A fan of Carmelo. No, I don't think any of us really are. I think he he should at least have that mindset of if I need to go to the bench and that will help my team, then he should do that. I don't think he has that mindset. Um, and but again, I'm not going to bench him for Ryan Anderson. I don't think we're at that point yet. Um, but right below him is Jabari Parker at 19 and Danilo Gallinari. But let's talk about Jabari Parker. Two guys that were injured: Jabari and Danilo Gallinari. Uh, some Bulls fans might think that Jabari Parker is too low because a guy. You know, a, a guy that's being hyped up to be a you know possible twenty point scorer for the Chicago Bulls. Um, you know, just signed obviously on that that, that deal that I think it's two years for forty two million dollars. But there's a lot of uh, we can get out after the first year. Yeah, you can get out of the first year. Um, Jabari is a guy that you know for Bulls fans is expected to put up near seventeen points per game to twenty points per game. Um, but he's at nineteen points uh, per game. Or sorry, he's at nineteen in our rankings. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you think he is so low, Ricky? And at least why did you rank him where you did at 19? Because to me, it's the same thing that you and I talked about last week with Zach Levine. Prove it to me. Like, I know what I saw in his 2016-2017 season, and that's great. That is great Jabari Parker. I would love to have a 20-point Jabari Parker score mm-hmm. on this Bulls team. But prove it to me. Prove that you can come off injury and earn that money. I, I get the contract. Bulls fans say, but it's only one year. If he doesn't play well, it doesn't matter. Still, if we're going to pay you $20 million a year, you got to earn that money this year in my mind. With that argument, though, mm-hmm. Zach Levine still ended up at 16 in our rankings. Mm-hmm. So that's three higher than Jabari Parker in his rankings. And we were talking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. This is a ranking and a position that is very, very clear cut. Mm-hmm. I mean, like at the top... We have your guys that are stars. You have your KDs. You have your Kawhi Leonard's. Yeah. You have your Paul George's. You're just giving away. And then, am I, <laughs> did I list it off in order? No, you're, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, but the, the thing that I was trying to say, though, yes. is right below the, you know, the cream of the crop mm-hmm. are guys that are very interchangeable. And yes. one thing with Jabari Parker is he does have a lot of potential. He has that potential to be a 20-point scorer. And looking at this list, how many guys can say that, even all the way up to those guys like you know Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, how many of those guys below um, you know, right. the cream of the crop can say that they can put up 20 a night? Yep. Here's the thing that changes it. And just looking, I'm going to compare Zach Levine in our rankings to Jabari Parker because they're both similar situation. Sure. Guys who can score, guys who can play well, but both coming off injuries. You look at our rankings just last week. I had Zach Levine at 21. Both of you guys had him at 14. And then this week with Jabari, I was tried to say consistent. I'm like, you know what? Zach Levine, I had him at 21. I got to have Jabari in that same range if possible. 
I couldn't have him in that same range. I had him a little bit higher at 19. You had him closer to where you had Zach Levine, 16, two spots lower, and then Dave had Jabari way lower than the rest of us at 23. It's because he doesn't know how to play small forward. And until I see him play any defense at small forward, I'm not putting him in my top 20. That, that's, remember, that's a me thing. Remember, Jabari Parker said you don't have to play defense. Right. Defense don't he's, matter. He's not wrong. <laughs> that's the bad thing. When it comes to money and contracts, him being able to put up 20 night mm-hmm. heavily overweighs his ability to play defense at the three against you know legitimate threes. But with this argument, though, let's look at the Chicago Bulls. Are they known as a defensive team, Dave? Not even close. So why does that matter? Because if he's able to go into the offense and work efficiently, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter if he can't play defense. Because some I don't... guys that can play some lick of defense. Okay, but is it is Jabari's yeah, Chris ex- Don Lowry and is... uh, Wendell Carter? Wendell Carter, yeah. Um, but is the expectation that Jabari Parker signed for twenty million dollars plus a year to play defense? No. Well, so no then why are we saying... expecting him to play defense and hurt? Because his... I'm I'm ranking people based off of what they are as a small forward, as mm-hmm. a wing player, as an overall he, player. He fulfills too. heavily on the offensive side. You know, he he is a mm-hmm. scorer. He is good on the inside. If he continues to hit consistency outside, totally fine. If that volume increases and in, in the um, accuracy maintains, accuracy is not the word I'm looking for. But efficiency. Efficiency maintains with increased volume. It could be accuracy. All money. All money. Totally worth the money for him. But right now, what I've seen is a player who basically he got pushed out of his own starting lineup because they, the, the Bucks were worse with he and Giannis out there together because of floor spacing. So I look mm-hmm. at this Bulls team and I'm like, well – we're in a weird situation where he can play mid-range to down low more because we've got guys like Lowry who stretch the floor. Uh, we have Zach stretch the floor. We've got uh, everybody basically has an attempt at a three-point shot. So mm-hmm. I think he can find his niche on this Bulls team. My concern is really, like, can he play a full game? Like, like all-rounded, mm-hmm. like, defense and offense. Is he going to get to that point where it's serviceable enough to where he's not a net negative? And, I mean, go to our rankings last week. What did people complain to us about. We had a guy who is pure offense, and we ragged on his defense in Devin Booker. We had him ranked lower than a guy in Drew Holiday that's not going to put up as many points as Dev Book does, but plays defense, too. Not too many away. Not too many away, but it's like 24 to 19. Also, Drew is near elite defensively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's creamy. And and Booker, I'm not trying to bash Devin Booker. I'm not trying to turn this into it. Booker is very promising offensively. Would I say he's elite at times, but I don't think he's consistent enough to be called elite yet. I mean, is he? can he put up 25 points per game? Yes. Obviously. He's also doing it on a massive you know, massive usage. If he's able to come back and do it again and maybe even put up like 27, then yeah, I'll call him elite I mean, offensively. I, I, but, I'd, I'd be happier if he put up like 27 wins. You know? That's the thing. It's like again, it's the Suns. I'm sorry, you're <laughs> not winning. Your numbers, um, and that's cool. not really the debate we're having with Jabari no. Parker right now. But you know, because Ho- well, this Bulls well, team, the, are you going to accept? Well, no, but I'm, I'm just saying, like Drew Holiday, we gave oh, him a yeah. plus because mm-hmm. his team went to the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, where he, Devin he, Booker, you know, again was the number he made one. Dame look like a bitch. That's sort of Drew Holiday, mm-hmm. like he and Rondo, mm-hmm. and even Etwan Moore extending over, like their their defense, and that's that's why I think the defense can't be underrated at this point because like we're ranking them as players and to be fair like but, you have to rank all of their ability to play okay but uh, then and again i mean just, let's look at carmelo and jabari parker yep both guys can't play defense but we've seen they, carmelo be able to play defense at times jabari i i'm confused seeing him try to play small forward defense that's where okay. i'm like it's an unknown he hasn't done it in a couple years can, mm-hmm. and we'll see there there's the potential he claims to have dropped weight be more athletic I'm all about that. I'm all hope, but until I see it, I'm not putting them there. And also with the two knee surgeries, I mean, it's it's yeah. a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair. No, uh, I can see, criticism. I can see the upside though. Good I chance. absolutely can. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention it. 
Um, and then obviously uh, another young guy that we can throw out there is a guy in, in bogey. Um, in Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, I, I found out why you couldn't say his name out loud was because there was a typo. Oh, was there? Uh, yeah, I just corrected it across the board. Was it uh, B O D G A N? Yeah. I was like, that ain't right. Okay. It was like, no wonder Sean can't read this. Ba- like, Bogdan. 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 But Bogdan. Yeah. Uh, Bogdanovich. I must have completely that... ignored it because I said it straight. I know. You didn't read. You don't read. Rick. <laughs> a guy that was a rookie last year now coming into yeah. his uh, second year, um, again, was massively efficient. Um, obviously, he's a guy that was hacked back in 2014. Uh, didn't come over right away. There was obviously, uh, you know, fights about his contract. Mm-hmm. Then he was trading from the Suns to the Kings in the Marquise uh, Chris. Marquise Chris deal yeah. um, and he came over it was absolutely fantastic started 53 games for the Kings uh, shot 44% from the field 39% from 3 on 4.2 attempts um, 84% from the line 11 points per game near 12 um, 3 rebounds 3 assists um, and pretty much a steal per game he was fantastic. I just think it's just going to be uh, you know an, an increase of what he, he did last year because again he's getting used to the NBA. He's going to you know obviously get more usage. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to be trusted a little bit more. I think this guy not really is the limits for this kid, but is, he, it's a very bright future for uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, he's a super well-rounded player. I loved him coming into the NBA season last year. I, we, we gushed about this King's you know potential, and I think that he had been a huge help to kind of leading that offense in the right direction uh De'Aaron Fox had early struggles uh and then late in the year looked clutch as all get out like so I think that Bogdan out there is a secondary ball handler someone who um is comfortable he's a little older so he's a little more calm like nature wise compared to the rest of the kids out there so I think that perfect fit right team right time and I agree I think that he's gonna you know We'll see. We'll see slight increases in stats everywhere. I don't expect him to, like he's like Luca Light. I know everybody wants to make that comparing comparison because they're both white euros. So I'm just gonna get out of the way for the mm-hmm. comment section right away. But yeah, that's he. He doesn't have the passing ability of Luca or yeah. the vision of him. But the gameplay is actually they're not really alike at all. I'm just gonna toss that there. Just <laughs> well, to I, I mean, <laughs> I want to get it out of the way so they didn't do they're, it. They're, you know? uh, the thing with uh, at least Bogdan, I, I yeah. mean, he's he's he, he wasn't consistent enough. And I think that was the biggest thing that well, hurt you, him. We harp um, on young kids for consistency. Like, that's just the staple. And no, I, but I'm I saying, like, that's why I think he, he's going to improve yeah. and, and climb up the ladder is because he will get more consistent. All right, um, all I mean, right. you look at it, you look at his, you know, point. He had uh, 27 games where he scored under 10 points. And then he had eight games where he scored over 20. Um, yep. He had, you know, games where he had zero to four. He had 60 games where he had zero to four assists. But then he also had a game where he had 10 to 14 assists. Yep. Um, and also had a game where he had 17 games where he had five to nine assists. So, again, he didn't have that consistency of, right. you know, ball handling. He didn't have that consistency of touches. He didn't have the consistency of a shot I mean, falling. that lineup had no consistency as well. That, yeah. That's part of the Kings' problem. Mm-hmm. Like, you saw them swap people in roles. So, so. I think a guy in Bogdanovich, uh, the Kings one, uh, again, consistency is going to be a massive key in his success this year. If he is more consistent, then I think he's going to be a guy that you know might be pushing up near the uh, you know the other you know, Bogdanovich Indiana uh, you know spot or possibly the Ichwan Moore spot or the Roko spot because again, this guy is extremely young. He has a lot of tools to work on, um, and he could be taking the next step if that team becomes more consistent. Um, but Ricky, we'll look at um, some other guys on this list, and one guy is now stepping into the. Uh, starting lineup for the San Antonio Spurs, and that's Rudy Gay, um, a team that is going to be very packed in tightly um, inside the arc. You look at DeJounte mm-hmm. Murray, a guy that really isn't a scorer um, at that point guard's position. We look at DeMar DeRozan, a guy that works heavily in the mid-range, showed mm-hmm. a little bit of flash 
um, of consistency from three last year. Rudy Gay, a guy that works heavily in the mid-range. Marcus Aldridge, heavily in the mid-range. Paul Gasol, heavily in the mid-range. Um, how do you think this starting lineup with the San Antonio Spurs is going to work, and how do you think Rudy Gay fits into it? I think it's going to be, like, when you keep saying, like, you were just, like, mid-range, 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 the first thing I thought of was the thing I've been thinking about the Spurs for a little bit now is basically, is the NBA pa- going to pass them by? Where it's basically the NBA we look at right now, the three ball is king. Yep. If you can't have guys that can shoot the three ball, you're living in the olden days. And like, not necessarily that the starting lineup is going to, oh, the Spurs don't make the playoffs and they're a bad team. No, like they made the playoffs without Kawhi. They can make the playoffs without Kawhi and DeMar DeRozan this year. But I just wonder if this team overall with the starting lineup, when they get to the playoffs, oh, now we're going up against teams with elite three-pointers and more people that can shoot from three, and that's just where the NBA is right now. And Dave, you were kind of amazed with Rudy Gay's per. I think it was like uh, 11.5, and he played only, I think, let me check his minutes. Uh, He only played 21.6 minutes per game. I mean, you look at his uh, per 36, 19.2 points per game. His per is 18. 18. Yeah. Thank you for correcting that. 18 in only 20 point, uh, 21.6 minutes per game. Uh, you look at his per 36, 19.2 points per game, uh, 8.5 rebounds per game, 2.1 assists. Um, you also throw in 1.3 steals um, and 1.1 blocks in there as well. Um, he's a guy that maybe, or, or what do you think his his uh, ability, or what do you think his stat line is going to look like with these this minute increase from going to 21.6 uh, to starting more games, probably moving not near Yeah, 30. I mean, this you have to remember this last year was kind of the, uh, let's see how he comes back from a devastating injury too. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was very much a you know off season of getting back in shape and then seeing, testing him out there. Uh, he only played 21 minutes game, like you said. So I think at 30 minutes a game, we're going to see him back, you know, back around that 15 point a game marker, probably 15, 16 even. It really depends on like DeMar DeRozan and Aldridge, though. That's the thing. Like this system, they really thrived going through Aldridge for the majority of last year with Kawhi out for the almost entirety, actually. Uh, So I think that adding DeMar DeRozan as a mid range, like heavy usage score, I could see him staying it somewhere between, you know, probably 13 points a game, 14 points a game, because I look at their bench depth and the lack thereof at the wing after losing slow-mo. I think that, well, that just means more opportunity for you, more more chances for you to go. They've got some young guys who haven't proven it. We'll see where they land. I think a lot of this is going to be on the Spurs system, like Ricky mentioned. It's mm-hmm. it's the old man system with Pop being the coach. So I don't know if, you know, DeJounte Murray got a lot of love his early time. So we'll see if the younger guys in this team get similar opportunities in their uh, first year, second year, or if he leans heavily on Rudy Gay's experience and and just honestly like impressive play coming back off of an injury. So I, I would lean heavily towards I'm buying in Rudy Gay. And outside of you know old guy Ricky Gay, and then looking at the other guys we haven't mentioned, a lot of them are guys. That went, <laughs> did you just say Ricky Gay instead he of Rudy Gay? Ricky. Okay. I'm going to Ricky. That's why. Um, but looking outside of Rudy Gay, like and you and me the, looked at each other too. It's been a rough two segments. I'm sorry for listening to this podcast. I apologize. Um, but I, outside, I know they drafted somebody. That's why I couldn't think of the name. Uh, Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker mm-hmm. uh, again, another guy who has interesting potential athleticism. But yeah. Um, but looking outside of Rudy Gay and the older guys, there's a lot of guys that we haven't mentioned that have been in the league for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and Will Barton and Rocco and Boyan Bogdanovich um, and also Etwan Moore and Tim Hardaway Jr. 
Who do you think is going to have the most impact on their team coming into this year, Ricky? Is it going to be a guy like Will Barton? Is it going to be a guy like Rocco, Boyan, uh, each one more, or Tim Hardaway Jr.? Will Barton. Because the thing I want to ask you with Will Barton is not giving anything away of who took his spot, but just to pull the curtain behind, there was the guy who we're going to say at 10 was tied with Will Barton, and it was a 2-1 vote that put Will Barton at 11. This is a guy that should that could be, I'll say, maybe should be a top ten guy in these rankings. I don't know if he's really sh- he should be a top ten guy. Well, he easily could uh, be. I I put him at nine, um, but also there's a couple. Like again, we talked about this. The top five, top well, top seven were really mm-hmm. um, top eight. Top eight were really jammed in there for mm-hmm. sure, guys. And then outside of that, we all had everyone below him just. Yeah, it, it is. It's, um, it's like you said. It's so clustered together with a top mm-hmm. talent and a small forward. I think the thing with Will Barton though is that he needs to be able to separate himself. And I think one way that he could do that is become an elite point, elite three point shooter. He's a guy that shoots at thirty seven percent. Again, that's well above the NBA average, which I think is around thirty five. I think that moved up from thirty four. Yeah. It used mm-hmm. to be thirty four. I think it's now thirty five. Yep. Um, but still above league average putting out 15.7 points per game. I think a big thing for him, though, is maybe it doesn't really need to be about the point percentages, but at least being serviceable defensively, which really no one on Denver is, yeah. uh, but at least being more of an elite three-point shooter because Jamal Murray is a fantastic three-point shooter. Um, we, you know, Gary Harris is a fantastic three-point shooter. If you can have Will Barton you know, hit that near 40% march, mar- margin and hit, you know, uh, have Gary Harris be an excellent three-point shooter, Will Barton, and uh, Jamal Murray, it's going to make that D- Denver team even more uh, impossible to stop. And, and yeah. offensively, they're going to be a monster. Um, I think Will Barton, at least his biggest thing is at least improving that three-point shot, being more consistent, and at least being a guy that the Denver Nuggets can go to when you know Jamal Murray's uh, youth is, is hurting him and when Gary Harris just isn't on that night. Mm-hmm. Will Barton being probably a fourth scorer because, I mean, you still got to throw Jokic in there as well. Yeah. Um, being a fourth store, is scorer, if he can be more efficient and maybe not worry uh, more about the point totals, I mean, this Denver team scores a ton. So They're going to average, play. like, what, 120 a night this year? Yeah. Like, it's just stupid the amount and the pace they play at. And I think if he's, again, more efficient in that pace, that's going to make this team better. And oh, I think yeah. that's going to at least help his rankings because there's really nothing that I want more for him. I mean, you know, defensively, yes, but <laughs> that whole team, again, I'm wishing something defensively. Um, if he just becomes more efficient, he's a guy that I think does have top 10 potential because mm-hmm. when you're getting 16 a night from a guy who's shooting uh, 45, 40, and then 80, that's something that's incredible it's for a starter. Clip. So, yep. um, you know, again, if he's more efficient, I think that's what will put him over a guy that, uh, you know, made it into the top 10 with not getting things away. Um, I think people love uh, the guy who made it into 10's efficiency <laughs> um, and get blinded by his efficiency and possibly his stardom. Um, if yeah. we can use stardom oh, yeah. extremely Stardom's loosely. Stardom's the right word. Um, but Dave, answering the question, you know, Will Barton, Rocco, Boyan, I know one guy that you will go to is Rocco. What does Rocco need to do in, in this year of, you know, probably the second year of the process now becoming closer to completion? I'm, I'm going to say the, your favorite word of the day, consistency. This man started off the year hotter than anyone. He earned that contract, and then he was like, I'm going to be five of eight. I'm going to be one of seven. I'm going to be four of eight. I'm going to be one of seven again. Like he just bounced all over the place with his three point shooting. And I feel like part of that is just, he gets worn playing defense. Like he is their three and D guy. He is, he's excellent at it. He's earned it. But at the same time, he does not rest on defense. And it's one of those things where look at the matchups where he's playing against teams. 
Sometimes he'll, he can play up. Other times you just see him visibly worn down mm-hmm. throughout games. Because once those and, legs get tired, it hurts yeah, to shoot. I was say, you watch the shots and there's nothing behind it. Mm-hmm. He just You watch it clang. I'm like, oh, mother, you should not be taking that <laughs> shot. You know you should be taking it. I don't care if you're wide open right now. Um, but no, like, he, he's an awesome piece to this team, and he's someone who uh, immensely helpful. But it was also the spot that they you saw them target in the draft because he was abused in that uh, Celtics series, I mean, Ben Simmons was one who was exposed, but like he was abusing that Boston Celtics series because going up against young wings and you ran into the problem where he's good, but they have so many that when you're switching two times mm-hmm. an offensive set, three times an offensive set. There's no weak link in that exactly. in that armor. Exactly. So I think that that's the, the thing for him is his offensive consistency needs to be there regardless. So I don't know if it's conditioning. I don't know if it's just more shot attempts that, you know, during the offseason practice, before game, whatever it is. But that shot consistency coming up, and, like, he he's a stud. Like, there, this is a guy who came from practice squad to, you know, now he's got a four-year deal. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, he went from practice squad to now a starter on a playoff team. Yeah. And one of the favorites in the Eastern Conference. He survived the process. A big thing with him, though, is confidence. Because, yeah. again, he came in right away in the season and was one of the best three-point shooters yeah. in, in the league. And, again, it, it, was, it, it seemed like just confidence— Started to shake a little bit for some reason. Um, I know he was uh, inactive around December, um, and, and he was you know, to start off the season he was shooting like forty two percent from three. He was um, high. He, I swear, for like the first couple weeks, he was like forty seven percent, something insane. It, fe- it felt like I'm sure the numbers are actually lies, but um, point being, he he a good shooter. Really. No, not really. It but, was around. It was always around forty two, and then it, it took it took a massive note. Well, here, hold on. Uh, we have time doing math uh, on the podcast yeah right here uh, through the first like from for the first month right. he was shooting 48% from the first that's what I meant yeah uh, see 49 48 on uh, 16 Jake, Jake's proud I got a gold star from Jake so congrats um, but yeah Roko I think a big thing is confidence he yeah. came out hot right away and again maybe conditioning uh, again kind of losing some steam uh, but a big thing, for, I think, yeah. also for him is confidence. And I think that's one thing that, again, Philadelphia is going to gain um, throughout this season and throughout another year um, yeah. playing. They know what they were able to do last year. Well, now we're one year better. Yeah, you're um, no longer the surprise team that when you're knocking down kids mm-hmm. left and right with incredible shooting and playing guys, you know, 6'11 point guards are kind of surprising for teams how yeah. to handle. And maybe now that they, you know teams won't be shocked, maybe Philadelphia takes a step back. Jake, Boo. Yeah, Boo Jake, on you. Not saying it's not saying it's going to happen, but possibly. And maybe they don't go on a 15 game win streak at the end of the year and get you know shoot up all the way to what fourth in the Eastern Conference. Just saying they're 51. Maybe they finish at fourth, but are more consistent. Uh, uh, I like I like the guy who actually finished like opposite of Rocco, which is uh, Boyan. Like he finished the year as hot as anybody. Like he was impressive in that playoff series against uh, the Cavs. Like his defense, his shooting shine through that series like it was victor oladipo's coming out party don't nothing's mm-hmm. gonna take that away from him but the surprise for a lot of people was seeing Boyan, who if you see him on the street does not look athletic at all and i know it's the white guy joke standard whatever i don't care like he was out there on every single switch guarding wings guarding anybody who came at him but not even guarding wings guarding lebron guarding as well. yeah i say guarding lebron you just say that i mean he, he was the lebron stopper basically and i know lebron's slower but yeah he was he was excellent and he kept them in games. He won them a game. Like that playoff series was just impressive all around. And I think that's why like his whole season was good, but ending on that note was just kind of like, damn. Yeah. Game three, 35, uh, 35 uh, minutes, uh, 70, 
73%, it's crazy to say, 73% from the field, uh, <laughs> 77% from three, um, scored 30 points, and also had a game score of 20.3, which was fantastic it's from Boyan. Insane. Um, but that is going to wrap it up for 11 through 20. Uh, ran over again. I feel like I've, we, we had the idea that we weren't going to talk this long. Uh, for for these I'm rankings, gushing we about went over again. But let's move into the top ten of our starting top 10. small forwards for the 2017-2018 season. Do you want to apologize again? I feel like I've been off. Are we in 2018-2019 season? I don't care. What year is it? It's 2018. Yeah, it was 2018-2019 season. 2017-2018 sounds good. 2018-2019 sounds weird. Just one of those Um, nights. Yeah, again, I apologize for this podcast. I'm sorry you wasted your time on this. Uh, We're much better than this, typically. Um, Last week was pretty good. I think Dave's just throwing me off. He's too pretty. Um, But let's jump into the the, the top ten. pretty boy. He, he also said I had no shot, though. He was he yeah. was pretty You were so that. bad. I am <laughs> mad at basketball. You're, did you work on it? Uh, I was on vacation. No. I'm going to work on it now. Hoop. I don't know. No, All we right. didn't. Um, but will you do this a little bit differently for top 10 instead of just going through the uh, aggregated top 10 that we uh, put together, added it up, all up, and came up with a nice pretty list? Um, we do our individual rankings, and then we go to the uh, official rankings. So we'll start off with Ricky. Ricky, give us your top 10. Well, starting off at number 10, it's Jumpin' Joe Ingles from the Utah Jazz. Then Brandon Ingram of the Lakers at 9, Otto Porter of the Wizards at 8, Harrison Barnes of the Mavericks at 7, JT of the Celtics at number 6. Then it's Chris Mid of the Bucks, Paul George of the Thunder, Jimmy Butler of the T-Wolves, Kawhi of now the Raptors, and then Kevin Durant, the true number 1 small forward. Why'd you say it like that? I don't know. Because last year you guys both had LeBron and I had KD, and now there's no, no say the debate. Raptors. Well, the Raptors. Because now like, the Raptors. It's weird to say the Raptors for Kawhi Leonard. I'm used to saying Kawhi Leonard of the Spurs. Mm. Dave, give us your top 10. Fair enough. Uh, number 10, Joe Ingles, consensus top 10 player. <laughs> uh, number That's 9, Harrison true. Barnes, That's the brick machine. Not true. Brendan Ingram at number 8. Jason Tatum at number 7. Just call Harrison Barnes a brick machine. He's a brick lane machine. Okay. That's what he does. Uh, Jason Tatum at 7. Otto Porter. At number six, Chris Mid at five, Paul George at four, Jimmy Butler at three. <laughs> He's better. Uh, Kawhi Leonard at two, and Kevin Durant at one. Now my personal rankings. At ten, I have Robert Covington of the Philadelphia 76ers. At nine, I have Will Barton. At eight, I have Harrison Barnes. At seven, I have Jason Tatum. At six, I have Otto Porter. At five, I have Chris Middleton. At four, I have Jimmy Butler. At three, I have Paul George. Two, I have Kawhi Leonard. And number one, I have Kevin Durant. And that ends up for our official rankings being number 10, Joe Ingles of the Utah Jazz. Number nine, Brandon Ingram of the Los Angeles Lakers. Overrated. At eight, we have Harrison Barnes of the Dallas Mavericks. At seven, we have Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. At six, we have Otto Porter of the Washington Wizards. At five, we have Chris Middleton of the Milwaukee Bucks. At four, we have Paul George of the Oklahoma City Thunder. At three, we have Jimmy Butler of the Minnesota Timberwolves. At two, we have Kawhi Leonard of the Toronto Raptors. And at number one, we have Kevin Durant of the Golden State Warriors. Ricky, do you still believe, if if LeBron was here, do you still believe KD's number one small forward? Yes, because of the same reason I said last year. Yeah, just, you can can cut the mic. We're done with this guy. I cut it for a little bit. LeBron LeBron had a ridiculous season, so I'd probably put him first. Correct correct me if I'm wrong. You also voted for uh, LeBron for MVP last year and this year? Yes. You yes. Voted yes, for he him. did. Yeah, but okay. remember, so back-to-back MVP is yeah, even the best. But remember, position. last year it was, oh, how can he be better than Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant just beat him in the finals. Where this year I have a little bit more sympathy for LeBron because that team he dragged to the finals. So you'd still put you'd still no, put I would Kevin... put LeBron at number okay. one. Right, I'm just so, fucking with you, Sean. I was just I, what, you said it first. I was just I clarifying. Know. I like yanking it's your conf- chain. Well, it's confusing. <laughs> it's not yanking my chain. It's confusing. Uh, but anyways, let's go into 
Dave's boy at first with Joe Ingles. Before we get, <laughs> can we address the the, the 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 elephant in the room, Sean? What? The, the the lack of jumping Joe Ingles in your top ten. Disrespectful. I had him at twelve. Disrespectful. I don't see him as a top ten small forward. I'm sorry. Do I think that him on any other team will be this successful? Hell no. Is he successful on his own team? Yeah, he's twelve. I don't think I'm underrating Joe Ingles. I think Joe Ingles is happy he's on any list. I th- <laughs> wow. It's Whoa. funny because I made the same comment about Tory <laughs> Prince. <right? laughs> did you? I did. did you like, I think Hawk fans are just happy we got somebody on their team on the list. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, okay, so so let me just address well, this think, a little bit better. I think we didn't make fun of Tory. No, Prince, no, we, we actually enjoy, we like well, him. That's where the Hawk fans acknowledge. This shooting guard we make fun of him called Kent Blazemore, and then it's not the other one's thing. Trey Young, and we were just yeah. laughing at him when we did it's the true. top By 30. the way, I did say that to Dave because I rewatched our segment. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Sean just said Blazemore, we don't and, even I didn't, acknowledge and I'm like, I didn't even say anything yeah, when we recorded it. Yeah, it's just his name has been dropping out. Um, no, like, I think the, the the point we're trying to make with putting Joe Ingles at 10, at least the one that I was going into the segment, was what you had clarified multiple times throughout this is we all have the same top five with one switch between Paul George and Jimmy Butler. But after that, there is a clear divide mm-hmm. in talent, uh, in proven talent, I should say. So I think where it gets interesting is, you know, we've got a lot of guys in there with a ton of potential. The Otto Porter, Jason Tatum, Brandon Ingram group. Those three guys, we looked at them as the future of this position. You know, these are the young kids who are have shown much promise and can continue to grow. Joe Ingles is kind of a wily veteran. You know, he's a bit older. He's he's incredibly consistent. He is, he is a smart player, defensively impressive, offensively just a sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. So I think it's one of those things where it's like he does everything you want him to do. He checks all the boxes. <laughs> And he's very good at what he does, so why not give him the recognition as a top 10 small forward? He he went to the playoffs. He, he's been a very uh, – I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like you don't expect him to be there, but when you look at everything added up, you watch them play their games in the playoffs, you just go, yeah, that that's weird, but he is. This isn't an indicator of top 10 or not, but uh, just interesting. Yeah. Do you guys remember how many wet boys he had regular season and playoffs altogether? Two. Two. How many? One. One? One playoff okay. wet boy. Nice. Yeah, Dave put him in there. Yeah, it was yeah, Dave. Did. Yeah, <laughs> that was Dave's boy. It's mm-hmm. consistently been Dave, Dave's boy. Literally since the beginning of the season, oh. I called this. Uh-huh. I, I, I did say last year I put him at twenty-two or something. Yeah, you had him. Yeah, highest. no, that was. And but you, I, you rubbed in our If face. you watch that segment, I'm sitting there talking about how he is going to be a stud. I did. Well, you ended up. I, mean, I put him at twenty-two. You put him at. 21. I had him at twenty-one. Twenty-one. Okay. So technically, yeah. I was the highest on him. But but I was one gushing yes, about I him. Yes, I know. You guys all. You can go back to last year's and watch this. Yeah. And me calling this. Well, congratulations, Dave. You can take your victory lap. There was a very nice talk about what what you think of Joe Ingles. And Dave, I, I don't Dave disagree just likes again. victory laps. I do. Well, I will take every win I get because I've got a lot of L's I don't want to talk about. And I, I don't disagree with what you said. Again, I just don't think that values a top ten small forward. Yeah. Um, no. no I, so. I, I'm not going to argue with it. That's the one thing. And then also, let's talk about the Brandon Ingram bullshit at 9. Um, I put him at 13. He's not in my top 10. Ricky, you had him at 9. Mm-hmm. Dave, you had him at 8. Please sell me on Brandon Ingram in the top 10. Because you made a very compelling argument for Brandon or Joe Ingles in the top 10. I'm not buying Brandon Ingram in the top 10. He's a long boy. Like he's, he's So got... we're basing him off of his <laughs> length? No. I mean, he didn't play bad last year. Like last saying, year, you, you look at the percentages, 47 from the field. That's not bad. Like, I'll take thir- – for a sophomore, I will take 39% from three, hoping that that gets a little bit better. I'm 1.8 attempts. Okay. I know. 
The fact I he said, I will take 39%, <laughs> I want to punch him in his freaking face right now. The only thing is, like, I would want more points. I get the attempts points. number, but Jesus. I would want more points out of Brandon Ingram, but you also have to take into consideration, what is he going to be like this year playing next to LeBron? He played. What is he? I mean. He, that's just going to make him better. LeBron's going to make him a better player. He's the second best. So he best jumps player. all the way to top 10? How does, this, how does it make him no. a top 10 player? He put up LeBron. He put up 16, 5, and 4 last year. Uh, 59 games, and this was a lineup that had Lonzo Ball out. When you had Lonzo mm-hmm. Ball in, you had Brandon Ingram in, mm-hmm. you had better lineups. You had Julius Randle. Like, that was a problem. They never really had their core together for enough games to see what they could do. Randle was impressive when he was out there, and that's who they went through. But I think Brandon Ingram, we got to watch him play kind of like a point-forward role, and he looked really comfortable. And so I can see LeBron coming in as, A, the best player in the league, B, a mentor, and C, now looking for his number two on this team. And that's where I see Brandon Ingram being able to fill that void. Brandon Ingram can be the number two. He can be a 19-point-a-game score. He can be a guy who is the go-to guy off of LeBron James. And that's that's the thing that I go, I'm like, why wouldn't this be a successful push for him? He improved dramatically. He was one of the he had one of the worst rookie years that I remember seeing. I was like, number two pick that did not look good that didn't look good i watched him play his shot was off his 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 game feel was off he was just getting by on excellent defensive awareness Mm -hmm. and this year we watched him come along even further offensively his defense was still pretty good like honestly like i look at this and i just go back i'm like i think that he is going to be the number two offense number two weapon on this team after lebron james i know there's a lot of controversy because there's a lot of people who you don't think it's kuzma I think Kuzma will be a more of a six-man role. Mm-hmm. But I still think, I mean, when it comes down to the end of the games, Kuzma's going to be Kuzma in there. Same Kuzma... points. I'm just saying. They, they, I think they average about the same points. This so, year? Yep. Okay. And, and I think that while Kuzma's a good shooter, Kuzma's defensive issues lead to Kuzma not being on the floor as much. Brent Ingram, amazing defender, good offensive player getting better. I just see the upside is there. The length is there. The athleticism's there. The basketball IQ is going to get better playing alongside guys like Rondo and LeBron James. I think everything is setting itself up. I don't. I should say this. I don't think he's the eighth best small forward today, but I think that he is in that the end of the in season. that group of players I talked about: the Otto Porter, Jason Tatum, Brandon Ingram. I think that is the future of the position, and I think that he well deservedly deserves to be a top ten small forward in this list. Hey, Dave, you want to take another victory lap? You want to know why? Guess how many points both Brandon Ingram and Cal Kuzma had at the end of the year? The exact same. Sixteen point one. Hey, this year. And that okay. could be the same next year. Who who played more minutes? The, uh, B.I. I had 33. Kuzma had 31. Okay, so I think two. Ingram played. But Kuzma also played more games. Kuzma played. But that doesn't matter. 77 games compared to 59. It's a point per game. I'm just saying. He had more reps this year. and Well, that's more. I mean, yeah. whatever. But, but uh, and who also, who shot more efficiently? Um, just you more. had 45 from, 45 overall, 36.6 for Kyle. And then you had 47 overall, 39 for B.I. But how many attempts from three for Kuzma? Uh, for Kuz, that would be about 5.6. So three more three. attempes? Four. Yeah. I thought it was 1.9 to 5.6. to 5.6. Like three more attempts, four more times. Yeah, 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 um, and also math. I think Kuzma's a better free throw shooter as well. Um, Whatever. Ingram at 68. 
I mean, I Kuzma's mean, a better score. Kuzma had 70, so it's Kuzma's not that pure far score. Off. I'm not going to argue. Kuzma's a pure score. I think B.I.'s just got potential to be an all-around mm-hmm. stud, though. Like, he has the physical uh, the, tools. He has the defense. He has the offense. He's grown so much in one year. I think another year, and with the right guys around him, he's set up to succeed. I, the thing with that is I don't know if he has the right guys around him. Ooh. Because, because again, you talk a lot about his ability as a point forward. And that they, they, intrigued they, me. They showed it a little bit. That yeah. intrigues me a ton. But now having Lonzo Ball, now having Rajon Rondo, now having LeBron James, right. that's going to take a lot of his possessions as a point forward away. It's true. So that's one thing is now he's going to have to turn into a spot-up shooter. He's going to have to turn into a guy that works off ball. And I don't know if he's Maybe. going to be able to do that. Well, the LeBron thing, I put that with a grain of salt because of the, all the – um, talk of, oh, LeBron wants to play more off-ball. So, I mean, of course LeBron's not going to play totally off-ball, but LeBron, I think, with the Lakers is not going to be the ball-dominant LeBron that we've well, been I think, used to. I think the thing you have to keep in mind is the regular season is kind of where we're going to see him get more of a chance to, mm-hmm. to grow. Mm-hmm. I think the playoffs, you will see LeBron and Rondo be much more ball dominant and, and have the ball in their hands more, and you'll see guys be you know relegated to a smaller role. But I think during the regular season, I know it's the West, and I know LeBron's competitive as all fuck, but I, I still believe that uh, Brandon Ingram will have his chances out there, and he's still going to be you know option B or C at worst. Here's the one thing I throw out there, and again, this is why I think it's, at least my concerns are, are valid and why I put him mm-hmm. a little bit lower. Yeah. We talk about, oh, he shot 39% from three. Okay, 86% of his shots were from two. Mm-hmm. 18 were from three. Yep. And he shot 39%. That's fine. But if he's going to need to take that next step into a great scorer, he's going to need to shoot more threes. It's yeah. pure and simple. Mm-hmm. The guys that we are talking about above him on this list are shooting. You know, forty percent of their shots are threes. Um, you know, maybe you know, thirty-five to forty percent of their shots are three, and some guys, you know, maybe even up to like fifty for KD. Um, and then also, you look at his uh, threes assisted, not too crazy. Again, 95% of them are assisted. Not too many shots are, are happening. He's or, or, or Threes are happening, um, and most of them are spot-up shots. Makes yeah. sense. He's hitting 39% of them. That's positive. But also, you look at his twos. He's a guy that, again, creates a lot for himself. He does. So not being able to create for himself. 36% of his twos, again, 86% of his shots were twos. 36% of those were assisted. So that means he was either cutting to the lane or, you know, obviously, you know, a quick pass, mm-hmm. spot up shoot, sh- shot from mid range, mm-hmm. and it, it's good. The other, what, seven, uh, 64% or whatever it is, mm-hmm. 64% of his shots, pretty much, of his 86% um, were created by himself, yeah. where he was driving and Which, he wasn't set up by anybody else. So again, he wasn't able to consistently show, and he didn't show a lot of it, at least, he didn't show a lot of his potential to score working off of somebody else's work. And I that's something that's that, all right, though. I think you want someone who can create on their but own. But I'm saying now with having LeBron, Rajon oh, Rondo, and that. Lonzo okay. Ball, okay. again, he hasn't shown the ability to work off ball fully. Does he have the potential? Yes. I but I don't think there. he's going to be able to. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's going to have that ability to work off ball exactly right away. I can't unhear it now. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be worried to work isolated from the ball. From who? The ball. Uh uh, to, to enough to warrant a top ten place, and again, you know, he played fifty nine games. Lonzo Ball played fifty two games. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I'm really curious to see where this lands out. But I'm putting there off of potential hype and you know, a, a cl- an incline or right. That's your upcline. He'll be on the upcline. Mm-hmm. Upcline. Upcline and downcline. I I just worry <laughs> about it again. Ricky, where, where do you all. feel like these? With me, like the thing that 
I don't want to say concern, but I'll say concern right. is the attempts. Like, because I look at it, Isaiah Thomas last year, 5.9 attempts from three. Lonzo had 5.7. Kuzma had 5.6. Oh. Re- Caldwell oh, Pope had five. Real quick, I was wondering what the fuck Isaiah Thomas oh, yeah. this, you're, you're, reading off, you're reading off the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. the Lakers. Um, Caldwell Pope, 5.6. Like, even Brooke Lopez um, averaged about four. I know his job was to stand in the no, corner I know. and be tall. Like even like like there are most of them, most of the players on this team, yeah. like Travis Ware had more attempted three points per game. He knows that's, his game. That's the only thing I want to see. And like Sean's right, you got to improve that part of the game. You got to shoot a little more and have that percentage be there. But I think that having veteran players like LeBron, Lance Stevenson. Rajon Rondo is going to help this team. <laughs> JaVale McGee. Well, it is. <laughs> Michael Beasley. Hey, JaVale McGee brings... JaVale Dominique Wilkins is going to come out of the grave. JaVale, McGree, or JaVale McGee brings a guy who has finals experience on this team. He's had finals experience. Quality. Championship winning experience. I mean, you could also say that about you know, real NBA players like Rajon Rondo and LeBron James as well. And JaVale McGee uh, is a real NBA player. He's more of an NBA player than I am. Yep. Um, All right. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just I, I don't. Agree I, the concerns are fair. Mm-hmm. I just think that I'm looking at We're this. We're just buying in, a, in on the hype. I'm buying in the hype. I, I think that he's I going underst- to be option B or C on this team and going to get his. I understand the hype. Is is he a guy that has massive potential? Yes, and I agree with that. I just don't think with this team and this iteration of the team, I need to be proven wrong at mm-hmm. least mm-hmm. To, to, for, the, for for him to be a top ten small forward. Fair. That's all. Um, but let's jump in a guy who we didn't believe in the hype last year, or at least I think we didn't believe enough in the hype, um, and clearly proved it was Jason Tatum. We have him at seven. Some people might say too high for a second year player, but I mean, looking at all the other guys, I'm putting him above you know Joe Ingles. I'm putting him above Brandon Ingram. I'm putting him above Rokel, Will Barton. Jason Tatum was absolutely fantastic. We expect him to grow, especially with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward coming back and hopefully playing full seasons. What should we expect from a guy like Jason Tatum? Because, yes, those players are coming back, but that might mean he's getting you know less usage and less time with the ball in his hands. My, o- my only question is, did we not believe in the hype on him? Like, that was my— I Well, don't I think remember we actually us. were pretty high. It on. was Jalen Brown we didn't believe in No, but I'm then. saying I'm saying I'd I think we had time. him mocked at 7. Five, I think it's 5-7 range. Yeah, we had him mocked to 5-7. to seven. I, I also yeah. don't think we believed in the hype because a lot of Celtics fans were like, oh, I this mean, kid's going to be great. Yeah. I don't think any of us expect him to be rookie of the year I mean, or at least, you know, top two finish I'll, for rookie I'll of the year. I'll be honest, there the might three, have been a little Mitchell bit of, all right, delusional Celtics fans. I would say, like, if there's one fan base that just exudes just— Ugh. Plus, it's just like the Celtics. It's just Boston fans in general, and Sean kind of bleeds into this being a Patriot fan. They've won so much in other sports; they're just cocky. They yeah. deserve to be cocky. No, no, but and, they're just and cocky. they've got the right guys in the front office to yeah. keep pulling off these moves. Mm-hmm. So when they're like, "Yeah, we walked away from that <laughs> with with Jason Tam, the best player in the draft," I'm, I'm Boston fanning this. Yeah, Jason Tam, the best player in the draft, and. Probably going to be the number two pick overall, number three pick mm-hmm. overall from the Kings because they're going to shit the bet again. The Kings. Like I don't want. I don't want to hear from Celtics fans. We're giving you your credit <laughs> this year. We're going. Jalen Brown's great. Jason well, Tatum's been great. But his points don't concern me because he mm-hmm. actually only scored like thirteen points a game last year. He was. He was not like their focal point of that offense. This was a very team game. But the nice thing about Jason Tatum was he played above all expectations of a rookie. I think he. Mm-hmm. He looked weirdly easy during games where they were like in a heart attack mode. Like I feel like that was one of the things that I want to give Brad Stevens credit. Like that whole team kept a very calm demeanor throughout the whole time, and they were a young team, obviously because of all these injuries. It was just it was really impressive to see him go out there play defense against top guy, top wings in the league, 
uh, going especially into the playoffs deep. Another year of watching, you know, Jalen Brown do the rookie year stud against the mm-hmm. LeBron James was awesome, and he definitely earned a lot of respect around the league. Jason Tatum earned his this year going through multiple teams in the playoffs. Well, and that's why for me, like I feel, I, I feel like the only thing with the in, when I look at the individual rankings yeah. and kind of with the combined rankings, I feel like at the end of the year when we do these next year, yep. you know how we had like a consensus five. Yep. Next year will be the consensus six and put that six spot as Jason Tatum because like I feel like with another year with him in the system, even like I'm gonna say when. Co- Kyrie leaves and goes to New York because I feel like that's going to happen. He'll be the one to step up, be the leader with Gordon Hayward, with Jalen Brown. And like, that's why right now I'm like, you know what? Like, I know Otto Porter is, he's not, he's automatic. He's not trash. He's automatic. But I mean, I sit there and I go, you know what? I'm jumping on this train early. I like Jason Tatum. I like what I saw, especially maybe it's a little of the Joe Ingles syndrome that Sean was talking about with the played well in the playoffs, and that's kind of the last thing that I've seen from him. But I feel like at the end of the year, when we do these next year, it'll be, well, all right, the top six small forwards are what they are, and he's just slotted there at six. And one thing, shout-out to Jason Tatum. I looked up, uh, in his rookie year, he had an offensive rating of 111 um, and a defensive rating of 103. Uh, Just plug that bad boy into uh, uh, basketball reference. Um, here is the list. Uh, here's the top 15 uh, of players. Uh, and this is uh, ranked for uh, win shares mm-hmm. um, in their rookie year with the uh, offensive rating and defensive rating of that. Number one, Michael Jordan. Number two, Chris Paul. Three, Blake Griffin. Four, Bill Cartwright. Five, Larry Johnson. Six, Terry Cummings. Seven, Carl Anthony Towns. Eight, Alonzo Mourning. Nine, LaFonso Ellis. Ten, Chris mm-hmm. Webber. Eleven, Charles Barkley. Uh, Twelve, Kelly Chapuka. Tr- uh, Tr- Tr- I don't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> Thirteen, Hot Rod Williams. Fourteen, Dwight Howard. Fifteen, Jason Tatum. So, pretty impressive so company. Pretty damn. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's up there with Lafonso Ellis. So, I mean, like that's that's some you know, Hall of Fame material right Not there. Not Michael Jordan or anything. No, Lafonso Ellis. But, again, that's ranked by win shares. He's 15. Um, and below him, guys like Kerry Kittles, Marcus All, Greg Monroe, Joe Smith, Nicole Jokic, Michael Finley's there. Uh, and also my boy Rudy Fernandez. Shout out. Favorite player of all time. Rudy Fernandez. Really? Uh, f- f- yeah, I love fucking Rudy. Fuck. Favorite, fuck, fuck. <laughs> favorite player of all time. I can't say anything today. Um but yeah. Anyways, Jason Tatum deserves mm-hmm. respect, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see. I, I, mean, I, I don't see him dipping. As, yeah, his, his playoff play. numbers were impressive. He bumped up massively, obviously there, and just yeah, I, I think it was just wholeheartedly impressive because like we knew he was smooth coming in. We made the comparisons early on with like his shot being like Danny Granger, Paul Pierce range of just that's how he plays offense. It's easy. It looks too easy at times, but I was the defense is honestly what impressed me the most this year out of him. It was just. I didn't expect him to be that good. Yeah, the, the three-point shooting was always a consistency question. Nailed that, but defense was like, damn. Yeah, the thing play. I think we I compared him uh, coming out of college was he reminds me of Melo at least offensively because oh, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. so smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, but fuck, I mean, I, he was st- <laughs> unreal how smooth he was. Um, in his first year as a rookie, the cojones on him taking yeah, some last-minute shot, ex- last-second shots. Extremely impressive how smooth he was. So sh- shout out Jason Tatum. Um, let's look into some other guys. We talk about Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles, Brandon Ingram, and Jason Tatum. Uh, any other guys you want to throw out there? I mean, do we want to talk about the whole Paul George team? Yeah, 
situation. Yeah, why do you get Paul George above Jimmy Butler? Because he's a better player. But, no, that's not. But like, he's not. Reasoning, please. That is a that is a reasoning. No, it like he's not. So you have to actually give like, us something. To okay, <laughs> Paul George last year was a better defender. Yes, he was at a better defensive team, but also by every other metric, there was I think uh, there, there was a, a couple players that had a negative defensive uh, box score plus minus. So meaning their team was worse yeah. when they were off the floor. That was Andrew Wiggins and Jeff Teague. Outside of that, oh, and Jamal Crawford technically as well. <laughs> yeah, um, not a lot of players on that. That's three terrible, starters. Not a, not, a, not a lot of those players on that terrible defensive uh, Minnesota team were you know were even taken off were made that team better defensively. Jimmy Butler was not one of them. That team got better technically when he was off the floor. Um, and and he went he had a point one of, of defensive block score plus minus. Some people might call it even. Um, and Paul George also had one as well. It was completely negative. But also you look at him and Andre Roberson together. I think you said, said it. I was reading with Car- something off with, on Reddit. Yeah. With Carmelo on the floor, Andre Roberson, Paul George, and uh, Carmelo Anthony had a defensive rating of like 96. You take Carmelo off and it's just Roberson and Paul George, they had a defensive rating of 81. I didn't know defensive rating went that low. Um, so Paul George yeah. proved to be a better defender last year. And maybe he's not overall. But also- to be fair, Jimmy was also hurt. Last year, so I mean, mm-hmm. give him give him the credit of Jimmy came back early from injury and played, played. fifty nine games last year. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, Compared Paul George wasn't, so I, I'm going to give that a boost too. But like Paul George I, I wasn't think, injured, he played great defense last year, and he came out scored twenty two points per game, which is I think is exactly what Jimmy Butler scored. Shot forty percent from three, forty three percent from the field, eighty two from the line, grabbed. Near six boards a game, over three assists per game, two steals, 0.5 blocks. He was a great defender. He was good offensively. What's the difference? He finished better in the Western Conference than Jimmy Butler's team did. He finished sixth rather than eighth. Jimmy Butler's team is now in complete uh, shambles because Jimmy Jimmy Butler Butler hates all the young guys on his team, where now Russell Westbrook and Paul George are signed long-term, and Oklahoma City has two guys that are going to be on their team for the next four years. I mean, it's G- not Jimmy Butler's fault that he doesn't have Russell Westbrook playing with him. I say, I feel like the but, argument, but also Jimmy Butler's no, no, in the place that he wanted like, to go to is with his no, former no, no. coach and is getting babied. And did he want to go star. there? He was traded there. He, he was, was traded, traded but he also I, I he didn't want to be on the Bulls. He does mean he didn't want to play for Tibbs again. Mm-hmm. Does he want to follow Luol Deng's career path and lose his knees by <laughs> age twenty nine? Feels like he isn't hey, upset about playing with Tibbs. I don't think he had any bad will or intentions towards Thibodeau. I think that was a real bright spot for people who said he's going back to Thibodeau. I don't think it means anything. Thing that you know, Jimmy loves Tibbs, and I think Tibbs loves Jimmy. I don't think there's any ill wishes uh, there. So get off. Jimmy's of that high with, on Tibbs. Jimmy's high on Tibbs. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy likes the Tibbs. Paul George. Jimmy team, doesn't like the locker room. Though. Just the Tibbs. Yeah. Paul George's team. Jimmy's not a fan of the cat. <laughs> <laughs> the Jimmy and Wiggins are not good friends. Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy does not like the Canadian Jordan, the Maple Jordan. The Maple Jordan. I knew you were gonna fit that in there somehow. Also, the Jimmy is not better than Paul George. But he is. So here, here's How? the thing. Okay, I will give you this. Paul George, Paul George is a better sec. If Paul George is your second best player, he is better than Jimmy Butler. But if you need a one, Jimmy Butler is a better one. Jimmy Butler is a better distributor. He's a better leader, and he is uh, better defensively one on one at locking down the best opponent on the other team. He is more of a leader, and he. he I know clutch isn't a thing, but like Paul George is the opposite of that. Jimmy Butler is. Paul George isn't. There's a line in the that's sand. That's fair. And that's not even... If yeah. there is one thing that is extremely clear, it's that Jimmy Butler is a better player in the crunch. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, the stuff about the whole facilitator thing, Paul George can still facilitate. He had three, over the past three years, he averaged 3.6 assists per game. Jimmy Butler, I think, is a little bit over four. 
Um, sorry, it's at five. Yeah, um, but three point six to five point one. Ball handles better and navigates traffic better. He works the full range inside out. Paul George is stronger and can put his back to the basket more, and also is a better shooter. Paul George is a better shooter from three. Jimmy Butler gets mm-hmm. the line, puts people in free th- in foul trouble, and forces the way they play the game to change. Yeah, I think they've like he affects the way the opponent has to play defense basically because of the way he can get to the line with ease. He has that like Harden esque of ways to find contact. Like he's not okay. as good, but like he finds a way to get contact and to finish. And I think that's one of the things where Paul George, yes, is a better shooter, but Paul George also gets less fouls. I will also say that Paul George's strength and also length is. I don't know if he's could, stronger necessarily than Jimmy. He's I'll more be honest. filled out. Eh. Jimmy's leaner. Well, is it because Jimmy can also play the two? Like, uh, originally, Jimmy was a two guard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jimmy's leaner. I mean, he, he looks smaller than... I mean, also, Jimmy is a two guard yeah. with Wiggins on the team. Wiggins is technically the yeah. three. We just didn't want it. We were too lazy and didn't want to change our rankings mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah, year over year is kind of fun. I, I think that, <laughs> again, Paul George has proven that he is he's, he's better fit to, I think, guard threes than Jimmy Butler is. Jimmy Butler is a good defender. I don't know. And, and Jimmy Butler is a defensive line stopper. Yeah, I think Jimmy can just... Jimmy okay, so we're going to base this on one playoff series no. from three no, years ago? I'm going off that, of his consistent effort against top wings. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Jimmy's the kind of guy that can kind of be like, again, I'm going to compare it to the Warriors with Clay Thompson, where Clay, it's like, all right, Clay, he's the number one, you're on him. That's Jimmy. All right, Jimmy, that's their number one, you're on him. And Jimmy's gonna go. Yeah, Paul sometimes. George is the, I mean, Andre okay. Roberson. Okay, <laughs> fair, but also, how many better defenders are there than Andre Roberson? Like four. And P- Paul George is what In basketball top ten. <laughs> and, and Paul George That's is like ten. NBA? I, like, think, no, I think. Like I Paul, think Jimmy's. I think Jimmy's before Paul George as far as defense is concerned. How? It's just an it's just an opinion thing. Then we're just going back in opinions. What is your facts? Last year, yep. statistically, Paul George Last was year, a better defender. Statistically, Jimmy Butler came back when he wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. So he that's not statistics. Worse. It's just a this no. It's nothing but, to do with statistics. Look at the stats of when he was healthy versus when he was injured, and then the games he played after the injury. I'm lazy, and I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to tell you what I feel. <laughs> um, the years are going up to this point, though. Like, you can admit that Jimmy Butler had been the guy, like Ricky said, who mm-hmm. goes out and guards the opponent's best player and goes out and drives at the basket, creates contact, puts people in foul. Like, he does everything I want a true one to do. Paul George is the perfect two. Paul George is mm-hmm. the Clay Thompson of twos. He's, like, exactly what I want to be for my second best player on the team. But he is not the guy. Like, Jimmy Butler's a guy who I can say I could see him and I know Ricky won't agree with this, is I could see him being the best guy on a team going into a championship. Who, Jimmy? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I could see I don't that. know if he can win a championship being the best guy on his team, but I can see him taking a team there. Can I ask you this? Yes. Who has a higher point per uh, game in the playoff? Probably probably Paul George, because Jimmy Butler played that year where like he was the sixth option on a yeah. Bulls team early in his career. He was the defensive guy to Derrick yeah. Rose's offense. When? Are you talking about 2011-2012? Literally, yeah. He only played three games. And then and didn't take a game. shot attempt. Well, <laughs> okay, in that that second game, in that second year, he played forty minutes and sh- scored thirteen a game. Yeah. Here, let's just do this then. At what point was Paul George the number well, one option the when thing, Danny Granger broke his leg? The um, thing I want to he, he's been mention. the option from twenty twelve to twenty thirteen. He took more than ten uh, field goal attempts per game. So if we're doing that criteria for this, uh, Jimmy also in his second year took nine point six attempts per game. So, uh, but going from Again, 10, uh, 10 attempts per game. Uh, Jimmy averaged 19.9 per, p- points per game. Paul George, 22.6. Yeah. 
But Paul look George's. at the systems they played in. Look at the circum. Like you can't just that. That's the thing. You numbers are great, but numbers on their own have no. But we're, we're talking about you're talking about the systems though, and I, I mean looking at it though, Jimmy Butler. The Bulls team was anemic on offense. That I think they averaged like 91 points. Like they were awful on offense. When? The entire time they made the playoffs. Like their team was defense. Thibodeau was defense. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't have an offensive presence on that coaching staff even. Like. Honestly, you look back at those teams, and it was how they got there was defense. How they played defense, like that—that that was all that mattered. Like their their offensive system was non-existent. Twenty fourteen, they were the eleventh best offensive team, and points per game they had a hundred. They were fifteenth. They were fifteenth best in the league. So they were average at offense and insane at defense. Ninth on a point points points per game. Yeah, I mean it, that was when they finished second in the uh, the central in fifteen thirty two. Oh, that was fifteen thirty two. Okay, okay. And that was Jimmy Butler's. Like first great year, he put up twenty two points in the playoffs. There we go. So and uh, and then looking and at Paul that, Paul George then, had like twenty four. Again, still yeah, but looking at that, then he's, if you if you take that, if you take his last three times in the playoffs from 2014, mm-hmm. 2015, 2016, 2017, and 2017, 2018, and looking at Paul George from 2012, 2013, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2016, 2017, and 2017, 2018. Better score? Paul George is still a better score. Cool. 22.6 points per game to Jimmy Butler's 21.3. And looking at the percentages, Jimmy shot 43.8% from the field, 375 from three, and 81 from the line. Paul George, 42.9% from the field, however, 38.1% from three, and 80% from the line. And also, assist-wise, uh, Paul George George had 7.5 uh, rebounds. Uh, Jimmy had 6.1. Um, and also assist Paul George at 4.4 assists per game, where Jimmy had 3.7. So, in the clutch, yes, Paul George can't hit a game-winning shot to save his life or mm-hmm. a game-tire to save his life. But in the playoffs, as a number one option, even with you know OKC at last year as well, including Not that being year, number one option. Um, being the number one option in Indiana, added with the uh, you know number two option, he was he's performed better than Jimmy Butler in his career in the playoffs. I still disagree, and I think it's one of those things where it comes down That's to fine. when you watch matter. the game and personal preference. Mm-hmm. The thing I do, What do you see? What are you looking for kind the of thing? thing I have I, always been... I, I will make this clear. I'm a I Jimmy al- defender. And I'll I've always it. been a person that bashes Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. We yeah. had this discussion, mm-hmm. what, two years ago yeah. or something Easily, like that? When yeah. I said was, that he's a number one and you said he's not. Yeah. No, and I think you were saying... I, I said, who's more of a number one option? Kawhi Leonard or Jimmy Butler? And you said Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Kawhi's above him. Kawhi's more of a number one option. They're both number ones right now still. Like, Jimmy Butler's the number one on his team. It's not wrong. The, but the, the, that's the, not the point. argument yeah, not the was, point. who would you rather have as a number one option? Kawhi I or mean, Jimmy Butler? I mean, Kawhi just no showed his You team. took Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard sat out half a season because mm-hmm. he didn't feel like it, and Jimmy Butler came back early then why injured Jimmy to play Butler well, and, Then why didn't you put and, Jimmy Butler over Kawhi Leonard? Because Kawhi Leonard's a what, better player. Okay, and that's what I want to get you. at. And that was my point. And that's what I've been trying to get at. But there are some... Circumstantial shit going on that you can't just ignore. Here's what I want to get at what you got at, Dave. When he came back from the injury, yeah, it was only three regular season games before the playoffs, but he averaged, he was shooting 51 from the field. His three point percentage was horrible, but he was only averaging two per game. He had one attempt, one attempt, and then four attempts in those games. He got to the line. So we're basing this argument off three games? He's setting the mood. This is like where he came back, where the biggest thing is him getting to the line in those games. Yeah, he averaged 10, but he got to the line for 11 free throws in one game. 13, went 10 of 13 in one game. And that's what Jimmy Butler brings to a team to where, hey, I'm going to wear out your defenders. I'm going to get to the line 
and he still averaged 21.3 points, which is around where Paul George averaged the entire year. He willed that team into the playoffs. So you yeah. got to give him okay. some credit for that. I'm, I'm not They won all three them. games, too. We're trying, we're trying to, again, we're trying to say who, why is one better than the other. So I will take everything mm-hmm. off of Jimmy Butler as I possibly can. No, I know. Um, and one thing, too, is... Um, I never said that Jimmy Butler was worse at getting to the line than Paul George. No, I'm, I also don't think that means he's a better how good player. Yeah. But I don't yeah. think that, that defines a better player. Jimmy Butler has his play style. Paul George has his own play style. I like Paul George's play style better. And yes, while he might not be as great as a distributor, he might not rack up the, the same assists, we also don't have a guy like Russell Westbrook playing next to Jimmy and Butler who is racking up assists like 10 a game, where Jimmy Butler didn't have that for the past three years. Maybe some people will say Rondo. He had six or seven this past year, and I know that? that Teague. Oh. I think Teague averaged like six or seven. He wasn't amazing. Um, and then, I'm yeah, saying, Rondo was obviously yeah. Rondo. Um. But again, but that was a whole different system. That was the young bulls. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this then. Okay. Take Russell Westbrook out of it. Butler, George. If you're building a team, who do you want as your number one? Paul George or Jimmy Butler? Do I have full faith that they are going to be healthy? Yeah. Like no injuries at all. Yeah. And then pass injury doesn't matter. Sure. Paul George. See how we go, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Same. I. I, and, And that goes into. Where you see have I seen yeah, I have I seen Jimmy Butler be a better number one? Yes, he was. I would say Jimmy Butler's last two years in Chicago mm-hmm. was better than Paul George's post uh, uh, leg break in Indiana. However, look, let's look at the last two years of Jimmy Butler, Minnesota and Chicago. He has been one of the worst teammates outside of Kawhi Leonard giving up on his team. In the NBA, he has been consistently calling out his teammates, bashing his teammates, and that changed from city to city. I think that's not on Jimmy Butler just going to two of the worst teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's going about Jimmy Butler's mindset. Hey, does that make him a competitor? Maybe. But also, does it make him kind of a dick? Probably. The only thing I'm going to say when it comes to the locker room. I don't that know if Jimmy somebody in the comment section could say Obviously. that throws a little wrench into this is when it comes then to the rankings, are you looking at it just as pure basketball or like for you, where I would take locker room issues is not looking at their abilities and pure well, basketball. No, That's taking like we're looking how they are the going court. to do this year. And mm-hmm. I think now with Carmelo Anthony not being on the team and Andre Roberson now being with the team fully mm-hmm. healthy, that is going to make Paul George even more valuable because that team's going to be better defensively and it's going to give shot opportunities back to Paul George and mm-hmm. take it away from Carmelo Anthony. I think it's going to be a more efficient team. I think it's going to be a more efficient Paul George. And we're looking for a more efficient Paul George who just shot 40, 45, mm-hmm. 40, and, and 80 from three. He's going to become more efficient. His point percentages are going to increase and he's going to be a guy that's looked at more of a, a number two option and that's going to be a number two option that's arguably the best number two option in the NBA. And yes, Jimmy Butler's a number one. Congratulations. But also, if we're starting a team, Jimmy Butler's not the guy I'm picking on that team to start my, my team with. I'm picking Carl Anthony Towns over Jimmy Butler to start my team with. You're batshit for that. But the, 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 How? The, hang on. There's been like the, 15 players. The number two thing was just hilarious because did you forget that like Clay... What? The, the, a... Kevin Durant is the number two on his okay. team. Then Clay Thompson is the number three on that team, who I would take over Paul George even. By the way, Steph wants to be a warrior for life. That so a warrior for page. life. Okay, real, like, real quick, like real it. quick. I don't, I don't count the Warriors when we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's they fair. don't count. That's fair. They have two. They, they don't have two. No, they don't have two. They don't have a number two on that team. And they have two Hall of Famers. Like that, they have two of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, that's fair. So like, I don't think that counts. As, <laughs> who's the number two? Is it KD? No, I think it's Steph. And then some people say no, it's KD. Yeah, whatever. I and, just I want to give a shit for that. And the thing I think about too is like when, 
you're making your debate. We're debating back and forth. Yeah. When you bring oh, up the like, wait, real off- quick though, uh, just the Clay versus Paul George thing. Yes, both are great defensively. I've never seen Clay outside of being a number two or number three. I have seen Paul George as a number one. But Fair. I think of it like in this argument for these rankings, I kind of relate it to. I think it was today on Get Up where. They wanted it. I don't remember who it was. I think Get it was Lauren. Pay us for I think it was like Lauren. <laughs> I love that show. I love Jalen Rose on that show. Let's be honest. But like she, she Jay brought great. she brought up the whole LeBron MJ thing, and she was like, "Well, MJ is our M. LeBron is better than MJ." And Jalen Rose is like, "Wait a second, are we just doing basketball? Are we talking about all the uh, the off the court, the charity stuff?" And she goes, "Just basketball. That's what this is. When you bring up that stuff." Especially for these rankings, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. off the court like he's a bad teammate and he doesn't you know like the I younger like? kids. As that like bringing the charity Re- into the LeBron Jordan the, debate. I, I'm talking about the 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 teammate thing mm-hmm. as um as starting a starting franchise. A team, yeah, starting you're not a, talking starting about that in the ranking. Like, no, you didn't. My rankings Paul George are based off who I think will be a better basketball okay. player yeah, this okay. year, and I think Paul George will be a better basketball player. this year. And that's year. what I wanted to clarify because. It could have been lost yeah. in translation that you were using that in the ranking no. to put Paul George. If we're, ahead. if we're doing goat rankings, I'm not going to say you know you know LeBron's a better father, so that's why yeah. LeBron's a better basketball well, player. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and if I you're mean, Colin Coward, you say John Wall's the worst player because he didn't have a father. Because I mean, that's just yeah. that that's just oh. Colin Coward being a horrible person at times. Oh. I, I had to bring it up. I know you like him. That's what Coward like, said. It's, he, not, he even, it's said not even that. It's just it's a horrible thing to say. Yeah, because Coward's a horrible person. At times, you can be. But uh, the one last thing it. I want to nail on that you that you nailed the like the bad teammate thing the um, the calling out your teammates I think it's kind of funny because when Kobe did it it was Kobe I've got an edge I've already won though that's the difference it was the he'd won championships already and he felt like it was that Kobe drive to win it was that MJ drive to win when Jimmy Butler does that I feel like it was a learned trait from working under Thibodeau. I feel like he has that drive to play, and if you're not trying your hardest at all times, then you're not trying. And well, I think and that's what he's trying to push on these young kids. Probably that up from Kevin Garnett. And, well, yeah, that's entirely possible. That That's entirely possible how that kind of fell down. And, and even then, Kevin Garnett still worked with Carl Anthony Towns. And, and, yeah, you're right. And yeah. Andrew Wiggins. And I don't think we heard anything about you know Kevin Garnett calling out Carl Anthony Towns or no. Andrew Wiggins. And, yes, that was old man KG taking a paycheck at 41 years True. old. But also, I don't think that means his fire was gone or you know his, his intensity was gone. Because anything is possible. You know, KG was taking the retirement tour going back home. But also, I mean, KG is still... A yeah, crazy guy and yeah. crazy competitor. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, but, we, but we can at least agree that top, you know, is one two. We agree that Kevin Durant's the best small forward now, and we agree that you know Kawhi's second. Can Kawhi overtake him? I don't know. I don't think so. But Kevin Durant, not yeah. a chance. Like Patrick Kane said after we'll the twenty ten Stanley Cup, not a chance, not a chance. No, he, thank you for that quote scorer. for saying. I love that yeah. you had not to say chance, that quote. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but just saying like. Oh yeah. You said not a chance, but then you had to quote. Yep. Not a chance, not a chance. Well, yeah, just you said du- it twice. Yeah. Not a chance, real not important. a chance. Made yeah. a real, real. I mean, Kevin Durant's the greatest scorer of all time. Like it's just, it's disgusting. Let's and be it's, honest. The only could Kawhi be the best two way player of all time? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I could say that. Maybe. Could he play his way to that? He's he's got a long way to go. That's the problem. Is he's only been a solid two way player for like two years, mm-hmm. and this would be his third if he is healthy. So I think there's a lot to prove, and I don't want to crown his ass kind of thing. It's it's there's a That's lot fair. to go. There's a lot That's to fair. go. But Kevin Durant, I mean, there's just dude's insane. Seven footer, 
with a shot that's beautiful. He's unstoppable on offense. And when he's locked in on defense, he's not too shabby. Like it's just there's nothing to not just goddamn, you know? Who is the best two way player of all time? Jordan. Is it? I'm guessing. I would say so. He was a two way player like, and he's the GOAT, so he's the best two way player of all time. But like what defines a great two way player? Um, is it just being like you're like, phenomenal at offense and phenomenal at defense? I mean, like, Jordan was there, but, Kobe but there was, was there. A, there like, was a clear discrepancy between Jordan's offense and defensive game. Yeah, but when you look at n- people talk about Jordan, especially, like, guys that have played against him, they usually say, on the court, he was the best offensively on the court of all ten and the best defensively on the court of all ten. But Jordan also let Pippen play defense against yes. the best wing. So True. you got to knock that. I know mm-hmm. this isn't where this discussion's going, but, like, yeah. I, I think, think the argument— It's a, it's a good point. Yeah. I think point. the argument's there for guys like Co- for Kobe, who have been, you know, like a 20—like, you know, 20-plus score for his mm-hmm. entire career. I think he was, like, an eight-time All-NBA team for defense, mm-hmm. uh, first or second team kind of thing. Chris so, Paul. Like, Chris Paul's up there. I think uh, Tim Duncan. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird to look back at the bigs, but yes, Mm -hmm. bigs count. You know, it's not just a guard wing league. If they were counting blocks, maybe Wilt. (laughs) If they were counting blocks. 50, 25, and probably had like 40 blocks. 15 blocks blocks at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about, but... Let us know who you think the best yeah, two-way player of all time is. Reggie Miller, maybe? All, all no, these articles overrated. Wasn't he a good defender? Today. He was a good defender, but he really was not an know. amazing offense. Literally before my time. Yeah. I wasn't born. Yeah. What I watched I watched him chill. All the rank... Like, I'm looking for, like, articles with rankings. Yeah. All of them are, like, today. Like, mm. in the game today. I was who like, no, I want all yeah. time. No, I'm trying... I'm looking at a forum. Like, this guy has... For point guards, he's got Walt Frazier, Dennis Johnson, Gary Payton, Michael Ray Richardson. Payton was good on defense. He wasn't John, as good as an offensive player. John Stockton, yeah, Jerry West. Um, shooting guards, he's got Kobe Bryant, Joe Dumars. He was pretty good on defense. Um, Michael Jones, Sidney Moncrief, um, Bill Sherman. Small forwards, he's got Ron Artest, uh, Ron Artest formerly known as Ron oh, wait, Artest. Oh, so he didn't have Jordan on that list at all. Yeah, he no. did. Michael Jordan. Oh, Michael okay. Jordan is simply the uh, platinum. Standard mm. for every two-way player at go. every position. Okay. That's what he put. So forward. yeah, I think Jordan Kobe is always at uh, mm-hmm. the top of that. But Tim Duncan, but like Kevin Garnett's also there. Kevin KG. McHale, oh, yep. Kevin Kareem, Wilt. Yeah, uh, Tim Duncan, Hakeem is there. David Robinson. Oh, Hakeem's a good one too. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of good ones out there. Oh, I don't know. know. Let us know your favorite two-way player. Yeah. So which probably ends made up it through this. Who do you think is the greatest player of all time? Is it Michael Jordan or Michael Jordan? Um, anyways, uh, congrats on making it. Um, this is way too long. So yeah. uh, for Ricky Boomer, for Dave Oster, I'm Sean Anderson. Uh, don't forget to check out patreon.com slash Podcast. Don't forget to check out mostofoutpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to rate us five stars on iTunes. Um, if you like, uh, what's, it, what's, the, what, what's liking pain? <laughs> masochist. Ma- if you're a masochist uh, and listen to this for an hour and a half, don't forget to rate us five stars. Um, <laughs> Thanks, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.